Blog Talk Radio. Hi everybody, this is Queen Tree, and I'm starting out the hair radio show with Terry Crystal Jones Vaughn of the Sway's Hair and Body, and I love the hair radio show. Hello everybody, I'm Valerie from Validate Your Beauty. I am giving a shout out to the Hair Radio Morning Show, Carrie Hines. You're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show with Carrie Hines. Stay tuned. It's time to rise and shine with the Hair Radio Morning Show with Carrie Hines. Welcome to the Hair Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. He's the host with the most, Mr. Carrie Hines. Good morning, and welcome to an all-new live edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. We're the longest-running daily live broadcast on hair in the world, 25 years and counting. Now, on today's broadcast, we've got the latest in hair and beauty talk, great music, and much, much more. I must thank our Carapy Hair Products, Hair Nation Expo events, Salon TV Network, and all of our amazing advertisers who are responsible for getting this episode on the air. Now, if today is your first time tuning in, thank you. And remember to press 1 to make a live comment or shout-out during the show. We're here each weekday from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 5 to 8 Central. Now grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's show. Thank you. 
right, we're back live. You're listening to a very, very special broadcast of the Hair Radio Morning Show. It is our annual year-end review for 2021 and this episode. And it is my great honor to bring to the line my co-host, my co-host for the episode. You guys know her. She is a radio personality in her own right and doing so many incredible things out there. She was also an announcer right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Again, let's give a warm, warm welcome of appreciation to the one and only Miss Mary Reed Johnson. Good morning and welcome. Yes, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Well, listen, I Do we really need to look back? Because remember... (laughs) When when Lots White True. looked back, she turned to a pillar of salt. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Mary V. Johnson, it is, we have a lot, yes, we're going to get into quite a bit. This is a show. This is a true radio show that uh, we're going to really look back. We're going to, some of it, you know, it's kind of like yanking off a Band-Aid of sorts. Um, you know, mm. you got it done. It may not, it may be a little bit of, uh, you know, momentary, uh, un, uh, as they say, discomfort in the medical world, but you're going to have a long lasting impact once you open up and expose that to the, you know, to the air again and, and just uh, embracing what's next. And I have to say, well, I trust we, you to we, help us heal. So uh, absolutely. I'm on. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think we are both going to be doing that today, Mary Reed Johnson. So it's nice to have you back. First of all, uh, we're going to get into a lot of what happened in 2021. But if you guys can remember, um, our year really kind of started a little bit uh, earlier than that. And uh, mostly, of course, you can't, you know, the elephant in the room, obviously, is the pandemic. So uh, it kind of, you know, I thought when we were looking at producing this special broadcast for you guys, we were looking at um, how did we want to frame this? Uh, do you want to talk about the pandemic early on in the broadcast, or do you want to talk about it a little later? However, um, we came to the conclusion that, you know, the pandemic really, it's called the pandemic for a reason. It's literally mm-hmm. across everything, and it uh, really set the uh, the foundation for I mean you just you can't escape it it truly is the elephant in the room and you have to address it, it absolutely think, shaped us absolutely well listen let's start there Mary and um, as you guys out there know we've all lived through this it did not start in 2020 uh, I'm sorry it didn't start in 2021 it probably didn't even start in 2020 but that's another story. So, um, Mary, let's look back for a moment, um, and let's take a look. When January of 2021, we were always, already reeling from dealing with the pandemic. There was a whole lot of talk. If I recall correctly, uh, the folks were kind of and, – and let me, before we even get deep into this discussion – Let's let folks know that what they can also expect in today's broadcast. It's not just a, a you know, a re, you know, just a kind of a regurgitation of pandemic talk. There is so much to look at that happened in 2021. We're going to cover some of the biggest news stories, some of the biggest pop cultural events, 
some of the, uh, you know, things from the political world. We're also going to look at what is next for us. And, of course, um, as with any big, um, you know, the end of the year, it, it gives us a moment to look back at some of the folks who uh, have passed on and, and not going to be part of that uh, that whole thing to move into the next year. And we're not even talking about the uh, over 750,000 lives lost to the pandemic. So, uh, so Mary, let's, let's go back in this. Uh, as I was just saying, let's take a look at the, when the year started, we were kind of reeling. I think um, at that point, the vaccines were just kind of being introduced. They weren't even rolled out. I don't think at the beginning of the year, I mean, at the, the, the part of the beginning of the year. Uh, so let's let's say how what do you recall uh, about that period and how were you affected? Mary Reed Johnson. Wow. Um, well, I would say as early as 2019, there were some some stirrings going on and we kind of poo pooed everything through 2020. Uh, our leadership poo-pooed everything. And so by the time 2021 right. hit, um, our, our current head of state um, was really full steam ahead trying to get uh, something approved that people would trust, you know, vaccines and arms so that um, we could maybe get our lives back. And so um, it was, it was a, tough and uphill battle, but I'd say uh, current head of state got some stuff done that was very much needed, or we, I think, have many more casualties than we do. Right. Now, that's a very interesting point, and uh, if you look at it, because if I recall correctly, um, for you guys, President Trump had kind of started with the uh, whole vaccine rollout. Uh, you know, and, you know, trying to get the, the whole thing started with that. But uh, Joe Biden came in because it looked like it was as if the president, uh, President Trump had kind of stopped and didn't do anything else. And so uh, Joe Biden and his folks literally picked up the, uh, the mantle and they literally ran all the way across the finish line with this getting the vaccines introduced and getting um, emergency authorization, use authorization out there to folks and, and literally making huge news with the nurse who was the first to receive the vaccine in our country. And so, as you mm-hmm. said, and I love the, the uh, wonderful, uh, you know, uh, phrase that you just said, poo-pooed, because that is exactly <laughs> what happened with the uh, former administration under the Trump folks, uh, who um, it appeared that uh, were a bit, um, you know, resistant to this whole idea of the pandemic. And there was even some uh, discussions before that, that they knew when they knew, how they knew, and this information was not made really get wind of this whole thing until I think the dam broke in like February, if you will, I seem uh, February of mm-hmm. 2021. And I seem to recall I'm in Brooklyn, New York and, and Mary, you're generally out in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. So right. um, we got a chance to look from our perspective. And I recall here in New York, 
Now, in my community, uh, I live in and mixed in with uh, a lot of folks who are of Asian descent, and they had already been wearing masks around my neighborhood for years, for years, mm-hmm. literally. That's well, the truth. Be, because, right, because um, uh, COVID is also known as SARS-2, and SARS they had dealt with in many countries, uh, especially Asia, um, you know, in the past. So they were used to wearing masks, and they took things very seriously. One of the other things that I was doing, because um, one of the, the, I don't know if it's a myth, but one of the stories out there about COVID early on was that it came from bats. And so right. if you'll remember, we had these these coins, a lot of our quarters, right, um, had uh I don't know, national preservation type things, but there was an ugly bat on the 2020 coin that I was like, this is so ugly, it's probably going to mean something someday. And if I challenge everybody, find a bat quarter and, and keep them, but there there are not a lot of them. So, um, wow. you know, we'll see what history has to say about it, but I don't think it was a coincidence. Wow, that is so interesting. Now, I'll tell you, uh, in at that beginning stage, and that was the last time I had taken a New York City subway in my neck of the woods, uh, because then they rolled out with uh, information which is flying fast and loose. We didn't quite know what to believe. Uh, we didn't quite know what to um, anticipate with the pandemic. So as this whole um, look back at 2021, this year in review, right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show, we're going to be delving in. Almost every topic has some connection to the pandemic. So we're going to move forward with some of these other wonderful things to look back at, some a little sad, uh, but, uh, you know, some great memories also. And Mary Reed Johnson, I want to... I want to say, uh, just even on a political front, since we kind of were talking and introduced, uh, you know, mentioned Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all this, uh, you have to be under a rock if you don't recall. Like, it was the early part of January, like around January 6th, I believe, was the date when that insurrection happened. And that is um, on the Capitol, and which shocked everybody. I was glued to my TV, and we were broadcasting, I believe, on hair radio about this. This went on, and it just made huge news. It was just you couldn't believe what your yes, eyes were showing. Yes, watching it unfold. Yes, watching it unfold. A lot of people had that same kind of surreal thing and, and question. It's like, where are the national guards? Where's our mm-hmm. helpers? Is that our, you know, is that our capital under attack? And is this for real? And what, you know, all those questions. But it was real. It was real. You hit it on the head. And uh, but if the the occurrence, if you guys recall, out there, it was not so much a surprise. You could tell the way it appeared that the former president and uh, all those folks were kind of, you know, allegedly what it seemed to be was that they were kind of goading these folks on. And uh, that's, I mean, unless you, you know, if you're going to hide and and hide it and, you know, be in denial, but it was very clear that these folks were under the impression that they were going to meet 
Donald Trump at, uh, at the Capitol building. And so this whole thing where they were there and he was not, uh, and they began to, you know, it was unruly. Thank the Lord that, you know, not, uh, that, you know, sadly we had folks who've lost their lives, a few of them uh, tied into this. Uh, but on but that day, it could have been so been, much worse. It could have been worse because these folks were under the uh, impression, you know, false impression that, um, you know, uh, that our politicians, that was the target of, of all of this vitriol and, and hate and all this kind of stuff. And so um, they carried out, they acted out this. And thank goodness for the efforts of that wonderful black uh, man who uh, was the the guard, the police mm-hmm. officer who led them in a different direction. Absolutely. He led them away from where they were hiding. And that they were saved so their lives. Intent. Yes, they were so intent with their hate. You could even see the pause. It's like, well, we're supposed to go in the other direction. <laughs> But they were they so were intent so, on, you know, not just the person that they followed not, them anyway because they, they they were, were angry and they wanted to, and you know also there was no thought that they would ever um, have to be held accountable or you know accept responsibility well, for some really bad that's things. Right, and we didn't even get to that part, but that's absolutely right. The thing is, uh, what I was going to say about that, yes, when the officer was leading them away into the opposite direction, it didn't occur to them once that they were going in the wrong direction and that that was a, um, a ploy by the officer so that they wouldn't. Oh, would not, I think they you know, did the because if you look at that, look, yeah, look at that footage again because there was just a second pause of the of the, the one who was like right behind the officer who, who, who looked in the other direction like we're supposed to go that way. But he, again, that hate drove him to, like, follow this officer so they could, you know, cause him harm. And, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, were, I don't know. Uh, I think that that could be the case. I'm not disagreeing with that. My thing is that, like you say, I totally agree. I think they were so hate-filled that they they could not think clearly and their judgment mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. So that officer, yep. he literally uh, had them to follow him, and he led all of them, like and literally like it was uh, the Pied Piper, uh, away yep. from uh, those. Now, this is why that is so significant for you guys out there, in case you probably didn't realize this. But had those folks, remember Mike Pence was there, um, there in that room, uh, all those, because if you recall – uh, the president um, had seemingly been pressuring Mike Pence to overturn, um, to not accept the results. That was the key. Mm-hmm. And so yep. Mike Pence had to really go and and not accept and do the right thing, which is to follow the Constitution. And Mike Pence does not, did not have the authority to really overturn anything. So, but... But, uh, you know, apparently, you know, Trump did not want him to even acknowledge, you know, uh, the results, which would have thrown things in Correct. chaos. And that's all that what, what it seemed to me is that the, uh, the former administration was just trying to throw things in chaos. 
And had the those uh, folks who were going to over, you know, open up and and destroy all of that by storming the Capitol, had they been able able to get away with it and got awful, you know, thank God, no harm was we might be in. I mean, it'd be equivalent. Absolutely, not we might to be in in any any um, dictatorship country. Yes. Well, not mighta and coulda woulda. We absolutely would have uh, been a subject to uh, a lengthier uh, former administration. So Donald Trump would have still been able to. Uh, there wouldn't have been an election for you know Biden coming in. This is yep. what is amazing that um, that in my opinion, and I'm speaking myself, um, that if this uh, this this man, if Mr. You know the former administration, let's just say that had gotten away, so to speak, with really getting these folks riled up so much that they would have caused that, our world would be very different right now. And that, uh, and they, it just seems to me that some people don't care at what, uh, at the the lives that would have been lost. They're so selfish in there their their goals and uh, you know what they're trying to get to, you know just have their own way no matter how illegal and how awful and immoral they didn't care because people what would have happened they would have remained in yeah, power people, yes people want to believe what they want to believe they can't put it on anybody in the end but themselves and uh yes. it's unfortunate but the good thing is they didn't overthrow the government that time they didn't take over democracy, and people need to appreciate what, even if it's not perfect, um, what this family is and or can be. Um, trust, if you travel at all, you see some things, and you're like, well, America's not perfect, but it sure could be. And thank goodness it's not, but we still are Absolutely. not done yet. And, and, and by the way, even um, – if you have a wonderful life and, you know, no no harmful stains going on, it doesn't mean it will stay that way. So you always have to be aware and you always want to do whatever you can do, whoever you can influence, to bring about positive change or at least um, increase awareness of um, some positive standards are. And my thoughts might be different, but, you know, I think you can look at um, certain regimes and know that they're not good for women or certain regimes and know that um, they don't like anybody who is not like them. And that's unhealthy uh, at any level. Absolutely. Well, that has all been uh, exacerbated by, uh, again, a culture we have uh, began or begun to accept this whole, you know, rage that seems to be building out here in America, and it's been going on for hundreds of years. Well, let me tell you, looking back at 2021, folks, if you're just kind of tuning in uh, to the Hair Radio Morning Show, if you're just joining us, uh, I'm Carrie Hines, and with me on the line is Mary Reed Johnson. You guys know her of Hairhead Heart. And uh, we're taking a good look back at 2021. We're also looking ahead at 2022. Some of the biggest stories that happened in this past year 
and why it's so important for us to to do to take this look. I do it every year, Mary, as you guys know, I'm out there. We take a look back uh, because it allows us things in the right perspective. We can kind of, you know, look forward and kind of know exactly what action we need to take and all that wonderful yep. stuff. Um, you know, that's how I kind of do it. Do you have a ritual that you do uh, at the the end and the beginning of each year? Well, um, I think I've been reviewing just things more often than I typically do, um, and uh, and that's that's not a bad thing. And so I'm not I'm embracing change. Yeah, I'm embracing change. I'm always encouraging just people, my, myself and people around me, to stretch. And if you've never stretched, or you've always been putting putting off things, or uh, you think you don't have enough money or enough this, I would say poppycat. This is the best time ever, uh, best opportunities we've had in, you know, a thousand years, <laughs> whatever, to right. stretch. So I'd say make sure um, right now stretch. Um, as far as traditions for my family, uh, we are pretty diverse as far as uh, what we like, but um, you know, our bonds are very strong. And so that, you know, continues. I have two grown daughters um, and each is amazing, fabulous, and, you know, very successful in their own right. So, you know, encouraging them to keep growing. And I'm going to keep growing even uh, at this age. You can never stop, especially with the the new opportunities that are presenting themselves. So if you get that extra stimulus check or that extra little piece of cash, do something with it. Uh, don't well, just go wanna, and, and, you know, be a absolutely. market. Absolutely. And that's what I want to kind of jump in on as well. Um, speaking of 2021 and at the beginning of 2021, and there was that whole stimulus check, which I think was have been about the second payment, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and I think uh, $600 was issued out, if I recall correctly. Um, I, I don't remember how much it was, Mary. The I think it was, there was... Well, because there were different turns. amounts for different yeah, there was a, the yeah, about three hundred dollars each month, um, and that but is ongoing. But it was never enough, though. No, but well, the, I something think is check... better than nothing. These people, I mean, the moratorium that they had on housing that was helpful. Um, the fifteen hundred or twelve hundred to help you, you know, kind of get through whatever until unemployment kicked in, um, helpful. Um, for some people who are gig workers or contract workers, we weren't even in category uh, categories that had been monitored enough that we would get unemployment, right? So all that right. CARES Act stuff um, was really helpful. Some small businesses and unfortunately a lot of big businesses who already had a lot of money um, were able to get um, stipends to help them through. And so it was really a holistic approach to – keeping us afloat as a country. So I yeah, won't say that they... if, I, I agree with you uh, in theory, but when I look back and I remember this, uh, I think what the whole thing was is that uh, the payments and the way that they had divvied it up 
Uh, yes, the money, no one's going to say money's not helpful. It is, and it's always on time whenever it does arise. But the thing is, I think uh, it certainly was not enough, period. It was not enough oh, money. Enough. I don't know. Right, well, I was about to say, I don't know anybody who would think that it actually was perfect and, and enough money for us. In fact, I seem even to remember one of the politicians when I think they gave us out because uh, I also I they sent me money I took it but I think um, <laughs> I think one of them was like it was so low and we had already been in the pandemic at that point for like ten months or, or something and I mean okay, think you of your whole th- life when have they ever given you money Period. well no I, I I understand and I totally agree with you but the mm-hmm. issue here is that you got to remember. Folks were unable to work. They wanted to encourage you to stay home. Other countries took the approach to uh, give you, because if they, to me, if they gave you the money on a regular basis and give you money each month, you would have been more inclined to stay home, which would have cut down on the transmission potentiality, and it would have ultimately had a benefit to everybody's health. But they didn't look at it that way per se. So the little bit of money they were looking at, the reason that the money was issued, if you recall, was a stimulation to the economy. Right. Uh, those are the words the that they were talking no, about. No. It wasn't about yeah. trying to, necess- in my opinion, trying to really say, oh, we need to do this to you know, keep everybody going and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, it was more so economy, about stimulation the whole- of the economy. Yeah, it absolutely was. But the thing is, we are the economy. We pay the taxes. We do this. We do that. Right. And if we right. can't move, then they. Yeah, I. So that's that's I, really. Good point, Mary. Now, what about the uh, the vaccines? And I want to talk about this because uh, then it was uh, we started fighting about everything. Thank you, former administration in the White House, because what you have done is to make us look at our differences. We began to only focus on the differences. Don't get me wrong. The differences have always been there since the beginning mm-hmm. of time. But uh, it wasn't the sole focus. And, and because of that, again, that word exacerbate, it has exacerbated everything. So um, when mm-hmm. I look back, yes, we got the stimulus monies. Those funds help. They need to send another round, if you ask me, but that's my opinion. Uh, the vaccines were uh, all over the news. Then we began fighting about the darn vaccines. Uh, so, um, and I remember, I remember because, um, quite a few folks were reluctant about taking the vaccine, um, getting the approval of the vaccines and, uh, where Mm -hmm. do we stand now with the vaccines? And there are folks who now, uh, in certain cities and states where you can't even go into a restaurant and eat and sit down and eat without being fully vaccinated. And you have to provide proof or you will not be able to do that. So what do you say, Mary Reed Johnson? And I'll tell you what is going on out here in New York City. Now, Mary's out in the Minnesota area generally. So what do you say, Mary? Oh, I think it's messy by design. Uh, Yes. 
So people have to just be logical. I mean, I, I mean that might be asking too much, but um, people want to believe what they want to believe. They want to do what they want to do, but there are certain things called hmm, repercussions on your actions, right. and then your actions are not necessarily individual. They are linked to certain things. So, for example, when people were dying with uh, what Philip Morris and the cigarette smoking and everything, yeah, it was cool. It was popular, blah, blah, blah. But they realized that smokers were infecting other people. Secondhand smoke was killing more people than the people who were actually doing the smoking. So it's, you know, that kind of scenario. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was around. killing more, than, <laughs> but it certainly yeah. uh, they showed, sir, showed that. Well, listen, it goes deeper than that as well, because uh, there was all kind of things that have been a, yeah, there's a whole bunch. That, it goes so deep. Public, uh, I have to, that, yeah. that really health, is very interesting. Yeah, public health concerns are just that public health concerns. People didn't used to want to wear seatbelts. People don't well, still true. want to um, not, what do you call it, text and drive. But these are problems. And uh, the individual, I mean, they are as, as responsible as, you know, one person to the next person. So, we, you know, we just have to get there. And so. I agree. Um, I agree. Well, good way to look working. at it, Mary. Yes, I agree. Now, I'll say on the vaccine front, um, and I myself was a bit reluctant at first because, you know, um, there's a lot of talk surrounding that people are still reluctant, even as we, you know, go to era at this time. There are folks who are reluctant uh, to get the vaccine. Um, see, my thing is this. There are folks, I understand the reluctancy of folks um, in this country the interesting part is that there are folks who are reluctant for different reasons. There are lots mm -hmm. of reluctancy, but almost all of us have different reasons for being a bit reluctant. Now, I have to say, I went ahead and got my uh, vaccination. So when I'm, I do events and things like that that we'll talk about, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was um, in good health to do so and to make sure that I was keeping myself safe and the folks around me. So I went ahead and I believe in science. That wasn't mm -hmm. the reason for my reluctancy. My reluctancy is because of the awful history we have in this country as folks of color and being used for all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, tests and this and that and being in, right, experiments a better word, and being infected and all of these things that you're supposed to just pretend didn't happen. And when someone says to me, if they, you know, the folks who did these things say, listen, the sky is blue, I would literally open up my window and look out to make sure. Um, <laughs> right. I, well, I and, totally and, and understand that. Yes, Mary, absolutely. go right ahead. Along those lines, Carrie, um, think about, so the, the number 45 who was saying, oh, you don't need this and drink some bleach and, you know, whatever, whatever. He didn't drink bleach <laughs> when, when he got COVID, right? No. He went to the and medical I remember facility. That. And, re yeah. That's right. Do you remember when so he like, was standing up there? You all don't need it. Right. Well, I remember the news conference uh, where he was standing up there 
and his doctor, one of the education, uh, one of the supposed uh, physician, you know, she was in the background sitting down. And when he said they showed her face when he mentioned about the bleach, uh, mm-hmm. he said later that he was just kidding. In fairness, we'll say he said he was just kidding. But she was in total consternation. She was like in shock that those words mm-hmm. came out of his mouth. She later said this, so it's not like we're putting words in anybody's mouth. Uh, She released, I believe she did a book and she talked about it later. Uh, But let me tell you, uh, just very interesting. Now, as far as the vaccines go, I I believe that we have definitely turned a big point, uh, a corner with all of this. And in 2022, uh, this, I believe that they're going to pretty much put this to bed. So um, I'm grateful of that. I think this uh, this whole pandemic thing seemed to, uh, you know, have ha- lasted, has lasted so much longer than we had thought. Um, you know, we just, like uh, the former administration said, it'll just one day disappear. <laughs> you know, you wake up and poof. And so that was the thinking that they had. Um, and so we've come a long way with folks, um, you know, getting these vaccines. Right now, there's still the uh, three major vaccines. They've, they're now coming out with all kinds of pills and things to ward off mm-hmm. serious infection and so much more. And, and they have children, uh, things and all this kind of stuff. So we're definitely turning the corner with the vaccines. Now, speaking of which, Mary, you mentioned something right before we went on air today, and that is talking about the hair and beauty industry. We have to work in them in this conversation. We really do. So, um, you know, just to kind of go back a bit for folks who are just tuning in, I'm Carrie Hines. I'm with Mary Reed Johnson. And today we're taking a look back at 2021. It's our annual year-end review on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And just kind of, if you're really just joining us, you might have missed um, our lead-in this morning. We kicked off with um, the amazing uh, singer that we actually lost this year. And um, it was a wonderful, wonderful song called A Lovely Day. And um, Bill Withers is the artist. And just how could you not uh, just have fond thoughts and memories, Mary Ree Johnson, um, with a lovely day kicking off this whole episode. And we're going to be playing that some of the music excellent from choice. some of the folks that we lost. Was that not? Now, um, just to take a moment, because you guys know we're going to be getting in and out and talking about this. Almost everything that we talk about has been traced back or can be tracked back to a pandemic in some way. So uh, there's a lot to get into, and we're going to get in and delve on in. But um, the hair salons, this was one subject that um, I was able to really delve into on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And uh, the one thing I have to say, and and even before we we get into that part, um, Mary, it was with the pandemic, there were lots of pluses and benefits, if you will, even though this was a very negative, sad story overall. Uh, but there were some wonderful things that were born out of this. Um, did you have any positive experiences that came out of the pandemic, Mary Reed Johnson? Oh, my, my goodness, yes. 
uh, again, it was just a wonderful time to reflect. Even when the shops closed um, and reopened and closed again, uh, just uh, even for me deciding who really was a worthwhile client, you know, this type of thing. Uh, and it, fortunately for me, most of them were very loyal um, and, you know, encouraging and, you know, this type of thing. It was nice to have the industry recognized as an industry and, and, I mean, literally the gig workers and the contract workers, that is the bulk of the industry. I, I don't know if it's 62 or 82%, but of the bulk. Um, and so having them uh, look at the big picture and what they might need or want. I had gap insurance when this first happened, and the gap insurance was anything ever happened. You know, if I couldn't perform whatever way or whatever reason, my gap insurance, in addition to the other things I had, was supposed to kick in. It did not. So uh exposed a lot of problems with the insurance industry and coverages and, you know, that type of thing. Not just me, but just wow. worldwide. That's um, amazing. But, and so I think that's positive because anytime you learn um, from an experience, that's a good thing. So um, choosing where you want to practice, expanding your practice, offering classes on, you know, these types of things were not necessary before, but once it became uh, an option or you're aware of the option, you explored it. And I think it um, bodes well for the industry. Just so, well, I mean, I, I, there's a lot. And so, yeah, um, there is. Yeah. It starts. Well, yeah. Just to start to unpack some of those things is important. Absolutely. Well, I agree with you, Mary. Uh, now, for me and the Hair Radio Morning Show, uh, there was a huge boon in, um, in the broadcasting for me. And I could tell you quite personally, uh, when during the height of the pandemic, uh, when things were shut down, and here in New York City, it was a virtual ghost town. Uh, nothing was moving. The trains had stopped. Uh, people were walking. Uh, there was just nothing going on. And everybody was in the house by like 8 or 9 o'clock. As soon as night fell, that was it. You were definitely mm-hmm. not outside. And so I remember this. And what was absolutely amazing to me is that because you were home, uh, there were things that we didn't anticipate a few years back, and that would be that folks were looking for things to do inside their homes. Mm-hmm. They, absolutely. You know, uh, they didn't even know who some of their spouses were because they had never gotten <laughs> to spend that much time with them. They had to re- be reminded of their kids' names. <laughs> you know, oh, my goodness. They had not, May I share well, with you uh, one of absolutely. the comedians named Jim Gaffigan? He has five yes, children. Yes, I know who Jim he is. He's, about on, yeah. Yeah, he's on 60 Minutes, I oh, think. He was on CBS Sunday Morning and just kind of right. everywhere. But he yeah. made a big thing of, like, discovering these five children and realizing that they were there to stay and that he would have to interact I with saw, them. You know, I actually saw that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was a fan of his, so I saw that. Yeah, he, you're right. He was on CBS Sunday, CBS Morning News, and, and uh, 60 Minutes and all that stuff on CBS. Uh, but, yeah, we had forever, to become familiarized. 
Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I love that. We had to become re-familiarized with a lot of that. And as such for us at Hair Radio, uh, folks were discovering the broadcast. So we have a lot of listeners from all over the world, and we welcome you. We love you. We thank you for being a part of our experience. Uh, But we were able to be introduced to a lot of folks uh, because of the pandemic that we probably wouldn't have had a chance to meet so, so soon. So we are grateful uh, on that level uh, for being able to do that. And speaking of the Hair Radio Morning Show, we had a lot of folks who literally joined us in 2021 for the very first time and got to be part, thrust right in the middle of some of the biggest news stories about hair and beauty in the world. And so we're going to talk about that. And I've got to first say, um, like some of those hair salons that were open, uh, I'm sorry, were closed for a little bit, some states, depending on where you were, were almost like they didn't close at all. I think if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. Georgia had pretty much opened right back up, maybe maybe two weeks if you want to say close. I, I think they gave it a week or two the pandemic to come and go. <laughs> and then they were right back open. Georgia like, was one of the first <laughs> Georgia did they were like, We are opening back up, honey. You're going to have to mask up or we don't really care what you do, but we're opening back up. And I'm just exaggerating a bit, but let me tell you, I think one of the interesting um interviews that we did was with the folks at Barbicide. The folks at Barbicide. So we had, uh, Mary, I want to get this lady on. Um, Her name um, is Nurse Leslie, and she uh, talked to us um, at that time. Again, this was during the pandemic. We have it firsthand. And then we're going to uh, get to the biggest news story, the very biggest news story. In uh, one of the biggest news stories in the country, if not the world, but uh, particularly in our industry. And we'll tell you what that is. Oh, let me guess. uh, In the show. Oh, no, not yet. We're going to tease it for just a tad or two. Uh, As we move into the next hour on our look back at 2021, I'm Carrie Hines with Mary Reed Johnson. We're going to have you guys to stay with us. And then as we come back, we're going to delve on in with Nurse Nurse Leslie uh, of Barbicide and kind of give us a little bit. It'll help us to kind of understand when we're listening to this broadcast, this replay with Nurse Leslie um, of where we were at that time. And then, like I said, we've got some big things to uh, touch on in this look back. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. So we want you guys to stay with us. We'll take a little bit of a commercial break as we move into the next hour. And again, I'm so grateful to have you with us. So uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot more to get to this morning on the show. Are you a stylist, barber, nail tech, or involved in personal care on any level? Are you good at what you do? I bet you are. And as being as good as you are, that leaves you less time to handle your clients. I mean, as far as booking appointments, product sales, pricing, and all that. Well, I have something that will help you on that end and still allow you to be great. 
ChairWatch. It's a new mobile booking platform that allows your client direct access to you. It'll allow them to book, change, cancel appointments, place themselves on standby, buy products, and even be able to send you direct messages. And that is just a taste of all the services that ChairWatch provides. Sounds good? Then check it out at ChairWatch.com. Or you can download the app via the Apple Store or Google Play. ChairWatch, a new and better way to connect with your clients. Uh, it's my honor, my absolute honor to welcome Nurse Leslie Rossi to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Uh, Leslie, Nurse Leslie, we're going to call you this morning. Uh, you're on the <laughs> Hair Radio fine. Morning Show uh, with LaSonia Nicole fine. and me, Carrie Hines. How are you? How are you, Nurse I'm Leslie? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show. So good morning. I'm, I'm we're honored to have I, you. I was looking yes. at you guys before I got on, and you guys have a great thing going here, so I'm happy to be part of it. Ah, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Listen, we've got to, I'm I'm going to kill the background music here because we've got to jump right on in. There's so much going on uh, these days. And, um, you know, Leslie, Nurse Leslie, just tell us a little bit about Barbicide. Now, you're the ED. You're the education director for Barbicide. And this yep. is, uh, you know, known everywhere. Everybody knows Barbicide. But can you just, you know, for those few who may not be as familiar, what can you tell us about Barbicide and its importance right now? So I came to Barbicide. I came to the company, King Research, that manufactured Barbicide about 11 years ago. Um, as, as you already referenced, I'm a nurse. And uh, came to the company, not really sure what my message would be to this industry. And for the last 11 years, I have been out saying, you know, something like this is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. We've got to be prepared. And maybe some of your listeners have heard me at uh, conventions or read from the textbooks that I've written for, or um, I may have come into some of your schools and taught classes to your students. Um, and I've been preaching that, you know, we really need to be on top of our game when it comes to infection control. And it's unfortunate, something like COVID-19, to really get everyone to pay attention and to even have the consumer understand it almost as well as most of our licensees do this, the difference between cleaning and disinfection, the importance of properly disinfecting things, even things like PPE. You know, if I said that to any consumer six months ago, they wouldn't have understood it, but they do today. Exactly. And so right. Barbicide as the leading product in this industry that was really designed for the professional beauty industry um, as a disinfectant, in 1947, which is kind of shocking to me that the formula hasn't changed since 1947, and we've wow. been effective against literally everything that has come. When HIV came, yes, we were effective against it, um, you know, and here we are with um, COVID-19, and yes, we're effective against it. So it's kind of amazing that a product designed in Brooklyn in 1947. Brooke, yay, um, is, Brooklyn, of course, yeah. the best thing to come out of Brooklyn. Let me just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And sorry about it, that. You know, and today's manufactured in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places. But, um, you know, right. Barbicide is important because Barbicide was designed for this industry. When you talk about disinfectants, not all disinfectants are created the same. One of the things we're constantly being aware of is the fact that all of you have, for example, expensive shears expensive equipment that you've purchased that you don't want it to get ruined. So we're, as a company, we walk that line for you of disinfecting properly, but also allowing you to keep your you know, nice, good equipment, your sharp shears, all of those things in good condition. So things like putting in rust inhibitors that you wouldn't find, for example, in bleach. So 
it is an important product in this industry right now. So wow. now I will say this. We this have been it. selling into healthcare, into hospitals, for about two, we sold into hospitals for a couple of weeks, sort of in the interim when everybody shut down and <clears throat> we were still making products. I, I, I feel proud to say that as a nurse that we did sell into healthcare for a while, um, but we will be ready. When everybody's ready to go back to work, we're ready to, you know, to provide you with product. Wonderful. Now, I've got to say, you also, uh, the barbers, I, I happen to be on social media like all of our fans and show followers, and I yeah. saw the certification information on Barbicide. Right. Can you tell our listeners about that? So about probably seven years ago, um, I had an idea that I was going out to all of these schools, and I, I realized that for every school I could get to and, and do a presentation, there were 10 that wanted me to come, and I couldn't get there. So we developed this barbicide certification originally for the schools, and it was it's free of charge. It takes about 40 minutes. You've probably done it. It maybe doesn't even take that long. Yes. But it's really right. um, basic information. You know, one of the things I try to go out and remind when I go to a state government and try to help them re- revise their rules or when I go and train instructors in a state, when I go and speak to a big audience, I try to remind people this isn't rocket science. It's actually pretty simple. And I think um, some of the rules of some of our states and some of um, our textbooks even have made it more complicated than it needs to be. It's a pretty simple process to make your service as safe as possible using the right products and doing it correctly. It's really actually simple. So the Barbicide certification is that simple knowledge that you need to do everything as safely as you can. And, yes, it was designed for students who are going through school, but what I've discovered through all of this is that it's a really good refresher for somebody, you know, maybe you got out of school 20 years ago, and you just want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. You know, now it's, things are so scary, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. So going back and doing, taking this 40-minute class, it's free of charge, you get to print a certificate at the end of it that, you know, people are posting, hanging their certificates up and framing their certificates and all kinds of things. Uh, because here's the other thing. You need a refresher, but you need to let your clients know that you did a refresher because yes, yes. afraid as you might be to go back to work, your clients are really afraid to come back into um, the barbershop or the salon. They are nervous. And so anything you can do to make them feel better about what you're doing and having a certificate posted says, I did this thing, I, I went and got this little extra reminder of, you know, what I already, maybe already knew. Now, Nurse Leslie, let me just, if you've just joined us, uh, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines with my co-star and co-host, LaSonia Nicole, and our very special guest that you're listening to is Nurse Leslie. Now, she's the ED, the Education Director for Barbicide, uh, and we're so excited to have you on with us talking about so so many important things right now. Uh, I have to say, in preparation for the interview today, uh, Nurse Leslie, uh, we had a brief conversation. I really want you to kind of bring this point home about the disproportionate number of cases uh, with regards to minorities and men of color. Can you just kind of share some of those stats and some of the information you were kind of introducing me to, which I found fascinating? Well, I don't think it's um, any surprise to anyone um, because if you live in a community um, of color, you've heard it already, right? You've heard in your community that, um, first off, men in general, are way more susceptible to dying from this than women, you know, across any type of ethnic group. But then when we start talking about men of color, 
that number skyrockets. And part of the reason for that, and the main reason from a nursing perspective I can tell you for that, is that color and, tradi and traditionally um, are not the best, I will say this, about going to a doctor, let's say, for a regular checkup. Most of the time it's, I go to the doctor when I'm sick. And the problem with that approach to healthcare is that the, the two things that make somebody the most susceptible to this disease are hypertension or high blood pressure and diabetes, both of which have very, very silent symptoms. You know, you often hear them called the silent killer because your symptoms right. are so mild you don't even feel them. So if you are that man and you're having symptoms that you're not even recognizing as uh, as making you potentially diabetic or hypertensive, and you now get COVID-19, your likelihood of dying is much, much higher. So it's not because you're of color. It's not because of a community that you live in. It's because you have an underlying condition that you didn't know you had. Uh, that, that That's really the generalized theory of why it's hitting disproportionately um, in, the, in those com in particular communities. Um, now, I will say that's also increased if you live in a community where People live very close together. It's why New York City is having such a problem. I have a son that lives in New York exactly. City, and, you know, everybody lives on top of each other, literally on top of literally. each other. Literally. That's and right. So many times, That's right. You know, it's hard to socially distance when everybody lives so close together. It's why in the middle of the country, um, in the Midwest, I live in the Midwest, you don't see as many numbers. We don't live close together. We all, you know, we, we keep our distance from each other. That's how our normal lifestyle is. So, you will see those numbers go down also um, or up disproportionately depending on how you live. So, Wow. Well, I tell you, this is really just information uh, that you can't really find uh, out there so much like with the, this particular discussion point, and I love this. Um, Nurse Leslie, can you talk a little bit? One of the biggest reasons for having you on the show today is that the when you turn on the news, you hear that the – the salons, well, first of all, you hear that the states are about to kind of open back up and, and start rolling out an, uh, a way to kind of bring the country back up, if you will, economically speaking at least. Right. So they're trying to reopen the shops, reopen the states, reopen, get back to some sense of normalcy, if you will, some sense. Um, yep. So this is a real part of the conversation. The salons, the barbershops that are out there, uh, what are your thoughts? And, and, and let me just also say this, Nurse Leslie. The governors around our country are calling you. They're calling you. They're consulting with you. Talk a little bit about yeah. that and what kind of a plan do you think uh, we need to <laughs> take uh, to consider? Yes, they're calling well, you. Laugh. You're the go-to. I'm only laughing because um, I, I think everybody has a misconception perhaps that there is some master plan that's going on, and I will tell you the states are trying very mm. diligently to get a plan together, but, you know, we've, we've not, no one's ever been here before. Like, we've never been in this space before, and there would not have been a way to have planned for this. I mean, I, we can get as mad as, as we want about whatever did or didn't happen up till today, but no one's ever been in this position of having to create a guideline for literally reopening their entire economy. Who goes first? Does a restaurant open first? Does a barbershop open first? What order do we open things in? And when we open them, what are the guidelines that we can put in place? And some states are restrained by the fact that to even put a temporary rule in place, they have to have legislation. So some states can only give guidelines for when you reopen. 
And some states can actually make temporary rules. So depending what state you're in, um, particularly as a, a barber or a stylist, you may have some temporary rules in place, but you may just have temporary guidelines. And one of the things I've been talking with governors about, um, with governor's offices, I should say, when they call and ask for my recommendations, I had a governor's office ask me the other day, they said, if you could make one temporary rule, what would it be? And I said, the one temporary rule I would make, which barbers may ruffle their feathers a little bit about, but hear me out, is that I think that all services in this industry, at least in the short term, should be scheduled. They should not allow walk-ins anymore. And the reason for that is that, remember, no one's had a haircut, legally at least, (laughs) for the last few months in most states, right? And the first day that you open up, what we do not want is we do not want 50 people standing in your waiting area, shoulder to shoulder, waiting for their turn to get their haircut. First off, that's a problem. Secondly, if that pressure is on you as, let's say, the barber or the stylist, to turn that chair so quickly, you are not taking the time to properly disinfect in between each client, as was already the rule in your state, but is really important now. And I have been referencing what happened in South Dakota. If you don't watch the news, you may not have heard this, but South Dakota, they had less than 100 cases in the entire state. And one sick worker who had no symptoms, none at all, went to work at a Smithfield pork processing plant Oh, yes, and now yes, 400 yes. people, 400 people within a few days now have COVID-19 wow. in South Dakota, mm. of all places, right? So mm. I think we need to look at those examples and say people with no symptoms do carry, do carry this and do pass it on. I had a governor's office yesterday call me, and what they wanted to do was buy thermometers, the ones you scan someone's uh, forehead with, and make, they right, want to make right. every barbershop and every stylist use that. And my whole point kind of dumb. Because if you have a fever, you're already sick, right? I can just ask you if you feel feverish. I mean, you already have a fever. I'm not worried about that person. That person can acknowledge to me that they're sick. It's the person that has no symptoms, that's walking in, Mm. thinks they're fine, and might be spreading it that I'm worried about. So I I do think that there are some things that are going to go into place that may make sense, some things that won't. I'm not a big fan of, for example, gloves, making people wear gloves. I'm a fan of hand gloves. Oh. And I and I think that gloves become a problem because if you are not somebody who, as a profession, wears your gloves on, you know, I'm, as a nurse, if I walked into your room and I already had my gloves on, you would look at me like, what are you doing? You know, you would expect me to walk in with my hands and clean, wash my hands in the sink and then put on gloves before I touch you because I could have been out touching everybody else with the same pair of gloves on. You have no way of knowing. And mm. gloves would be in short supply. And I have a feeling that we'll see is people will put on one pair of gloves and wear them all day long, which is worse than not wearing gloves at all and just washing. Wow. In my opinion, hand washing is what we need to get in the habit of. You know, barbers typically have a sink right next to their chair. Why wouldn't you, in front of your consumer, wash your hands before you start a service so you're, you don't even have to say anything. You're demonstrating I'm doing the right thing. If you, at the end of the service, when you're done with your clippers, for example, you, where your consumer is still sitting there, your client's still sitting in the chair, you take your clippers, you get the hair out of them over the trash can, and you make a spray of, let's say, clipper side right over the clippers, That's right. and you say to your customer, I'm getting this ready for the next client. And what you're telling them is, I did this before you sat down. I disinfected these clippers before you got in my chair. And those are all of the things that I think you can do to make somebody feel more secure. But the question was, 
reopening. I don't know the answer to that. Um, people are asking for guidelines. My guess, my best guess is we will see some states, particularly in the middle of the country, the Midwest, start to um, reopen um, around the first part of May. I live in Kansas City. We just got another state home order until May 15th. So I, I don't know, you know where that will go in each individual city or state. Um, but I think by the end of May, we will probably see most states reopening, and it will go into barbershops and salons, and people just need to be, you know, ready to do that. You've got all this time to get prepared, so. <laughs> and ready for ready. just about any kind of scenario is my point. You, We don't it, know yeah. what's going to happen, right, Nurse Leslie? Uh, so I am I'm definitely a believer that uh, now that this has happened, and as you have pointed out at the top of the interview, uh, that this has been something that you kind of you had a good feeling was going to happen sadly, and yeah, it has come to sadly. fruition and and it's our reality. And uh, hey, I've got to turn it over to my co-star, Lasonia <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> I know you are chomping at the bit, um, <laughs> and you have some questions for Nurse Leslie. You go ahead, jump on in. Wow. You know, it was really you know we were talking earlier about the whole walk-in process. So just to listen to, you know, her feedback with the walk-ins as far as highly suggesting that no salon uh, take walk-ins at this point in time was just very, very informative. And even with the way that, uh, you know, she came about and, you know, it comes down to that time essence or uh, issue. Do you think, Mm -hmm. uh, Nurse Leslie, that salons can ever go back to, you know, the – you know, prior to February of 2020, you know, format where, you know, there isn't, you know, where you can come to a point of taking walk-ins mm. and having that full salon again, or is it, you know, traditional salon media business as normal? Is it kind of out the window, or do you think that we can actually return to that? You know, I don't, I'm not sure on that question because I think that there will be things that will indelibly change in our lives. I think that handshakes exactly. will go away. I'm not a fan of mm. handshakes. If you've ever heard me speak, I say I would rather kiss someone than shake their hand because it's not, okay. you know, you don't put your lips where you put your hands. And so, um, but my husband prefers that I didn't do either, so I just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think handshakes will indelibly change. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I was telling Carrie um, when I spoke to him the other day, just a very mm-hmm. simple conversation I had with my own husband. And I asked him, what do you think it's going to be like when you go back to get your hair cut the first time? And he thought about it for a second, and I said, what do you expect it to be like? And he said, well, I expect them to be wearing a mask. And I said, oh. what if they don't? And he said, well, I'll get my hair cut, but I probably won't come back. And oh, wow. I think what we're going to see happening is that what the state is requiring of you in terms of how you manage your, your clients, how you manage um, your your health and public safety, your infection control, that is going to be a minimum standard. But I think the consumer now is so much more aware of their surroundings, of how how something should be, what it should look like, that that's going to drive you to do things differently. I think if your consumer says to you, I'm not comfortable sitting in a waiting room with 20 people, or I want you to disinfect that station before I come sit in that chair, I want you to take you that, you're going to start doing that because that's what's going to drive your business. You know, one of the things that Carrie and I did talk about briefly yesterday is that barbershops um, in particular are like a social gathering place. You know, 
and I, I feel oh, kind yeah. of sad because I, I feel like men, that's their place, right? That, that that's, men don't that's have right. as many avenues as women do to sit and talk and have those conversations, and it makes me sad that that could go away, but it may just turn into something different, right? It may become a different way of doing it um, over time, but I do not see the walk-in concept becoming popular again, at least, until we have a vaccine in place. Um, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, we don't shut down the city, uh, the country, when we have the flu. And the flu kills 50,000 Americans every year. And we don't shut down the country for the flu. But the difference here is, even with all that we did, with shutting down the country, with social distancing, with everything mm-hmm. we did, 60,000 people will still die. And if we hadn't done mm-hmm. that, it would have been millions of people. So we have right. to look at this realistically and say, we did what we had to do. And as we go back, some things might change, but they might, it may be a good change. It may be good for everybody. So I don't see the walk and scene a thing for a while. If a state mandates it, um, I certainly don't think they'll undo it for a while. Well, listen, I have to say, folks, uh, again, if you've just joined us, we're on with Nurse Leslie, who is the Education Director for Barbicide. Now, you do a lot of work, and, and of course, my co-star, Lasonia Nicole, let me just make sure, get her in on this as well. You do a lot of work for the PBA. You have done some Milady updates. Can you talk to us a little bit about that real quick while we let everybody know if you have a question uh, we're going to try to get your question on press one. If you would like to ask a question, we'll see if we can get you on. But, uh, yes, talk okay. about some of the work that you do with the PBA and with Milady. Well, uh, my job, and people ask me what I do, it's uh, sort of like uh, drawing a big diagram of all the different, how everything intersects. And <laughs> yes. Luckily for me, everything does intersect. And so besides being education director um, for Barbicide, what that has allowed me to do is several different things. I um have written for both Milady and Pivot Point um, of the vast majority in, in, in Milady yes. world, all of their science content, infection control, in structures and disorders, um, all those chapters most people don't like. Um, I wrote them. And um, <laughs> I have gone out to almost every state and helped them revise their infection control or health and public safety rules um, in regards to this segment of um, the, the profession of the industry. The, probably the most important thing that I do, I mean, I have been doing things with PBA. I've been doing um, podcasts for different groups. But probably the most important thing for this group that I do is I've been really um, a big advocate in, in, in this whole deregulation argument so that when bills mm. are introduced in states to deregulate this industry, I'm the one that tries to go and help um, shore that up so that we don't end up being deregulated, that this stays a licensed profession. Mm. Um Wow. And one of the things I'm struggling with a little bit right now is that uh, some people in this profession are being a little penny-wise and pound-foolish, as I would call it. Um, you know, we're seeing, like, on social media, people offering, hey, come by my house or my shop, and I'll give you your color mix. I'll mix up your color, and I'll give you a piece of paper that tells you how to do it. You know, that will come back to bite all of us in the long run when uh-huh. the regulation arguments start again, because what we keep telling your governments of your state is these chemicals are professional grade. They need You need to go to school to learn how to use them. You need exactly. to get a license to safely use them. But if you're going to hand them to someone and say, go home and do it, I can't make that argument yourself. anymore. And so I understand everyone's looking for a way to, you know, put food on their table. But some of what's going on, you know, 
making haircutting tutorials for somebody over the Internet. All of those kinds of things make it much harder when we go back a year from now, let's say, and someone's trying to deregulate your industry. They're going to say, well, people were doing it that whole time, and nobody died. That's what they're going to say. Nobody got sick. Nobody got hurt. And so I think um, I'm very big into that that, um, conversation, and I would like to see that we use this. Here's what I'd like to see. I would like to see that all the professionals out there, instead of us continuing to say, I can do a safe service, let's be realistic. You cannot do a totally safe service. Uh, if you do everything perfectly, if you barbicide the whole wide world, you're still closer than six feet to every single person that you're cutting their hair, doing their nails. All, all, everything right. in this industry is within six feet. So instead of wow. saying, I can do a safe service, which you and your consumer know isn't true, say, I understand there's risks, I under, and you understand there's risks, but I'm going to do my best to mitigate those risks, to make it the safest service possible. Look at all the things I'm doing to do that for you. And let's be honest. Let's just own that there is some risk right now because of this viral illness. Let's own it. And then let's have an honest conversation with our consumers and with the people who regulate us. Exactly. Now, I think we have Ambassador CJ. I'm going to say we can squeeze her in. We're kind of, um, she has been uh, – she's one of our Fridays. We do a roundtable with hair folks every Friday live yeah. in the middle of our show. And CJ is one of our leading ambassadors. She joins us on the show from time to time. And when she heard you guys with the barbershop was going to be on the show, she just fell out. Uh, CJ, are you with us? Ambassador CJ, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. You're on live you with okay? everybody, so go ahead. Hi. I'm just hey. happy. How you doing? I'm good. Okay, thank you. so I had um, I had a few questions. I'm going to see if I can get as many answers as possible. Yeah, so pick your favorite one. So one of the things one. that I want to ask, my favorite one is um, yes. the difference between cleansing with soap and water versus ship shape. Okay. Hmm. What What so is your recommendation the, on that? Well, they're both cleaners, all right? And so they're both going to do that first step of getting that that surface ready and prepared to be disinfected. The difference is is that um, anything that bubbles, so if you think of like soap, has surfactant in mm-hmm. it, and it has, it's more likely, if you don't rinse it off, to um, make your disinfectant not work as well. Let's put it that way. So um, like if you use something like a ship shape cleaner, any kind of a that cleaning step, it's less likely to interfere with how the disinfectant works. But they're arguably both cleaning steps. If you do use soap and water, you absolutely have to get it rinsed before you put it in the disinfectant. Excellent question. Thank you very much. Now, I have to say, Nurse Leslie, there is, and I want to make sure this is out there, there is a back-to-work plan that's available at barbicide.com. Barbicide.com. Can you talk a little bit about that document? I love this. It's a PDF, which is good to read, you know, about six pages. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so I had a lot of questions, as you might guess, people saying, people nervous. When I go back, what do I do? Like, how do I be prepared? So um, I wrote this back-to-work document. I got input. Um, I sent it out to several people in different disciplines. I sent it out to some, a barber. I sent it out to some barber people, some um, stylists, some nail people, some estheticians, and said, am I missing anything here? And it's a checklist that lets you determine what you need to do before you go in. So let's say your governor says you can go back to work next Friday. 
So on Wednesday, you want to go in and you want to get your um, salon ready to go. And it gives you all the things that you should be focusing on, almost like a, I did this, a self-checklist of what you did to be prepared. It's things you might not be thinking of, like throwing away magazines, right? We don't want people holding a magazine and then setting it down and someone else picks it up. Not right now. Um, Mm. What Mm. things need to be cleaned? What things need to be disinfected? Maybe if you have a coffee service station, you move that back into another area where you are the one that goes and gets coffee for everybody. We don't have everybody touching it. Things like that um, are things that I've kind of given thought to and, and put into this. And then there's a section called going forward. And going forward is, all right, now I'm open and I have clients again. And what are the best practices? Not just what does my state require of me, that minimum guideline. What are the things I really should be thinking about on a daily basis? Um, and then the very end of it is um, like a letter that you could send out as an email to your clients as you prepare to go back that says, here's what I've done to make you safe. You could put it on a sign and stick it in your window. You could do whatever you want with it, but it's something that says to your client, I know you're nervous about coming back here. I'm a little bit nervous about coming to work. <laughs> so here's what we're doing to make it as safe as possible. Now, on Monday of next week, it should be posted. I'm doing some consumer-facing education um, that will be on our website as well. It'll be things like <clears throat> little tables, tent things like you might see in a hotel that say, you know, so-and-so cleaned your room. These would be little table tents that maybe you would put on your station that say, my station was disinfected, you know, before your service. Or um, something you might hang on a bathroom like mm. that says, here's all the things we're doing. So while I'm washing my hands, I can read it. Here's all the things we're doing to keep you safe. You know, please let us know if we're out of paper towels or we're out of liquid soap. Um, feel free to ask me a question about what I'm doing. I think this needs to not be a pink elephant in the room anymore. I think if a consumer wants to ask you what you're doing to make them safe, they need to not feel like they're offending you by asking that question. So I think think that all of this is intended to start that conversation and make it feel comfortable for both the the client and for the stylist. And this was real quick. When can we expect the certification kit to be back in stock? That I don't know the answer to. I knew you were going to ask that question. Okay. I should have figured that out. <laughs> so let me tell you, I have got the most blessed job in the whole wide world. I get to do what I love doing, which is educating people. The thing right. I love about being a nurse was going and talking to a patient and taking something really complicated and trying to make it really simple and understandable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love doing. What I don't love doing is, you know, like the whole buying things, ordering things. Like I try to stay out of that, and I should have oh, that behind the scenes. Stuff. So, I, uh-huh. so I do not know that. Somebody the other day asked me how much something costs on a radio thing, and I said I have no idea. My boss would die, but well, I nurse, really have no idea. Nurse Rossi, l- let me jump in and say thank you to you uh, for being on the show today. You are just outstanding, and we're going to have you back soon on the Hair Radio Morning Show with uh, a follow-up to this uh, incredible interview today. And I also just want to remind folks we're... Absolutely. Do you want to get them together? And and talk to us at Hair Radio. We'll get them over to Nurse Leslie. Uh, Again, thank you so much. And the folks at Barbicide, go to barbicide.com for that amazing uh, back-to-work plan and all of the wonderful work that you guys are doing over there. We love it. You are just, you're on the front line. You're doing some amazing work, and we thank you from the Hair Radio Morning thank Show. Thank you. So, uh, and Right? And to all of our amazing uh, listeners and 
CJ, thank you for that question. And all the folks out there, uh, this is just the beginning. We're going to continue with all of this um, on our shows and on our upcoming shows, I should say. And thanks so much for being with us. Ladies, do you love a man with a well-groomed and sexy beard? Men, do you suffer from patchiness or irritation and want a fuller beard? Well, let me introduce you to the hottest beard care products on the market. Rugged Evolution features 16 amazing balms, oils, shampoos, and accessories. Our products are sure to meet the demands of all your beard care needs. For more information, go to RuggedEvo.com. That's RuggedEvo.com. And remember, Rugged is the new smooth. I'm Maggie Anderson. I am the creator of The Empowerment Experiment and the author of Our Black Year, my family's year-long stand completely living off of black-owned businesses. When we decided to take on this public pledge, we had no idea how hard it would be. There was only one black-owned grocery store in all of Illinois, and that grocery store closed five months before we finished our year. Um, And I have two little girls. There means no fresh milk, no fresh meats, no fresh produce. Um, But I put them through that because we took the stand and we wanted really to do something extreme out of love for our community to expose how few black businesses there still are, to refute uh, negative stereotypes about black owned businesses, and to expose economic injustice that still persists in America. After the year, I decided that I could not go back to corporate. I could not go back to law. I've made this issue of of economic racism and really trying to create economic empowerment in our black community, my life. The black hair care firms, they uh, sustained the civil rights movement. Black women created these companies, huge, thriving companies, and we needed that. We talk about Black Wall Street now because we shine a light on what happened in Tulsa. Most black neighborhoods were anchored by these black Wall Streets. And if we could bring that back, America would be better. I'm not saying bring all of it back, that would probably be impossible. But we can bring black hair care back. There are great black hair care companies that exist, black owned hair care companies that exist right now. And it would be wonderful for in America, just like other groups own their culturally relevant products and industries, that the black community can own the biggest black hair care brands, that the black community can own uh, black beauty supply stores. 3% of the beauty supply stores in black neighborhoods, and people know, people, black people know what I'm talking about. If you go into a black neighborhood, you're going to see a beauty supply store, and they're going to sell all the black hair care products that only black people use, and they are not owned by black people. So I've issued the Black-Owned Hair Care Challenge, just asking everyday folks to say, hi, my name is Maggie Anderson, and I accept the Black-Owned Hair Care Challenge, and tell the world that from now on, if I'm going to buy black hair care products, I'm going to make sure it's from a black-owned company. All right, we're back live. You're listening to a very, very 
special broadcast uh, of the Hair Radio Morning Show. Let's just get that on out. It's a special 2021 year end review. And my very special co-host has been the amazing Mary Reed Johnson. You guys know her from Hairhead Heart. She's been with us many times. She is a radio personality in her own right. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome all of you and the amazing Mary Reed Johnson to this hour of oh. this special broadcast. So again, you are good so morning, kind. Mary. Thank you. Oh, good it's morning. my pleasure. You're so kind. Oh well, listen. We are live this morning, and it's very important that we get this on out on this broadcast. As you guys, if you're just joining us, you might have missed it. It was a replay of an interview that we did with Nurse Leslie, who is the ED in the hair and beauty business. We call that the educational director. We're going to be fancy. She's the ED of Barbicide. Barbicide is that blue liquid. For you barbers and folks who go into these hair shops that they use as a disinfectant, you guys have seen Barbicide. So um, what did you think, Mary Reed Johnson? Did you have a chance to hear uh, the uh, wonderful piece with uh, Nurse Leslie? Of course. Well, Nurse Leslie was um, filled with good practical solutions to how we can move forward uh, with our practices and anything involving safety is okay with me. Absolutely. Now, Mary, I want to just remind the folks, and we're going to get into a lot more memories of 2021, but let's take a look at who Mary Reed Johnson is of Hairhead Heart. And I want to, I'm so overjoyed because, Mary, we go way back. And you were kind enough to extend your platform to me, Carrie Hines, for one of my rare interviews that I do on other platforms. So um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, a lot of our eagle-eared listeners may recall this, but, um, but do you remember when we first got together and you did that great interview, Mary? Do you remember that? I think they're all great uh, because Aww. you are a wealth of information. So I don't know where we started. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long while. Uh, this is so true. I just want to say, um, and I'll tell you this, Mary, you've been with us on many, many occasions. And each year, you know this, but our listeners out there, we do a look back at the year. And so if you're just joining us, you might have missed our first hour. In the first hour, we kind of look back at the beginning of the pandemic. You might not need us to look back at that. It's still kind of with us uh, to a big degree. But I have to say this. In this hour, I want to take a look at some of the folks that we lost in 2021. Names that some of you uh, might have forgotten and others that will stay with us forever. But uh, their mark on this planet and most in our community will always uh, remain at the very core of of our culture and and pop culture in particular. So I just want to say this, Mary. There were some folks that, uh, you know, every day you turn on the news, you're hearing some of these names. And um, I'm just I was blown away uh, 
you know, at some of these names. And even in recent times, as we put together this broadcast, uh, there's some names that have just popped up that are just, you know, it's going to take a lot. So for you guys out there who are tuned in, we have folks listening to this very broadcast. We're going to give you an opportunity to join us on the air and uh, let us know how you made it through the pandemic. Very simple. We want to hear from you on things that you did to get through this very difficult time because it can help folks out there. So while you're putting together your thoughts, our wonderful fans of the Hair Radio Morning Show, I'm turning back to Mary. Mary, let's go through some of the names of 2021 Parish. Well, it is a giant list of ancestors. Absolutely, of ancestors. I love how you put that. Now, who are some of the folks that really jump out at you that, um, you well, know, you you kind of remember where you were when you heard the news that they were no longer with us? So who are some of the biggest names that you heard in 2021? And then we'll what, take a look back at each month. Sure. One of my biggest was uh, Cicely Tyson. She had just written mm. her book. She was on tour. I had seen an interview. She was looking lovely as usual. Actually, she looks very much like my mother, who also passed in this time. But, uh, wow. Very sorry about that. Wow. You know, an icon lost. But, again, we can um, pay homage and we can remember them and remember to do the good things that they would um, hope that we would do. So be your best self. But she was she was a big one for me. Um, well, I Bill think uh, the rest of the culture too. Yeah, she was huge for. I think the world literally kind of you know fell a little bit off its uh, axis uh, at that time. And you say Bill Withers, another one. We opened up the show with his hit, "Lovely Day." Mm-hmm. Um, you know who could not? If you were of a certain generation, you know who Bill Withers is. And even if you're from some of the younger. Uh, folks out there, you also, you've been influenced by his music without even probably even realizing it. Uh, so, yeah, he's just an amazing artist out there. Uh, some of the other folks that we lost, uh, Kay Williams, the actor from uh, the Wire TV show, uh, baseball mm-hmm. great, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. Uh, wow. Yes, huge, huge, huge loss. Uh, you know, just, um, of course, DMX, rap artist, aficionado. We lost quite a few rap artists this year. So uh, one of the yeah. others was, of course, Biz Marquis, uh, who had the big hit. You, uh, you got what I need. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much, man. Mary Reed Johnson. Well, you know, we, I've got that song cued. So we'll, we'll get that song on for everybody and take a little bit of a music break with that in tribute. To, uh, yeah. to Bismarcky and all these folks. Now, I have to tell you, quite a bit uh, happened in the uh, year of 2021. Of course, we started the show uh, with a lot that was happening politically, of course, and uh, we have to pay tribute to um, all of that, and particularly when the administration, the previous administration, um, uh, was you know their time was over and here comes Joe Biden and of course you guys know from the end of last year from the end of 2020 we'll say where he uh, brought along 
the amazing vice president making history for choosing the mm. first African American uh, person of color, first African American to be uh, in such a high position in the administration. First female. She, well, for, she she made a whole bunch of firsts. <laughs> yes, she made yes, a whole bunch true. of firsts. You can check a lot of boxes with Kamala Harris. Uh, So we're so honored and so proud, and she's been doing a great job uh, and so much. And we talked a lot. So you guys want to definitely listen back to the first part as well. We talked a lot about the the vaccinations and the pandemic and uh, the stimulus checks and the the insurrection. Uh, I was about to say the resurrection, but the insurrection and all of that, and some of the hair salon talk. And so um, right now we're kind of doing a look back at some of the folks who kind of, uh, you know, we won't have going into the new year. May I throw in one that even though he is not African-American, black, any any part of that diaspora, um, and even though he was wrapped up in some things that we would probably consider not positive, Phil Spector had a huge impact on our music community, and he passed this year. Oh, did Bill, I thought he was still alive. Oh, wow. No, I'm sure you're right. But I'll tell you something. Uh, Yeah, Phil Spector, Phil Spector for you guys out there, uh, a huge producer uh, who uh, influenced music, especially in the early days. He worked with all of the rock and roll legends. And um, and a lot of black artists who were on their way, uh, you know, at the beginning stage of their career, including Tina Turner, um, my one of my favorites, of course, the Ronettes, and all of those folks. Uh, in addition to so many, and and you guys know he's been he was you know at the end of this time uh, he was uh, in prison for a whole bunch of things. I think it, the biggest thing I think it was that. Um, you know, with the, you know, uh, I think it, for murder of, of one of the background singers yes. or something or another, you he, can even Google. It's just yeah, he actually had a long history, and we might want to talk about mental illness later, but I don't know what the cause was except that. He had a long history of pulling guns on people, and, you know, he'd have yeah. parties, and, you know, he just thought that was funny and good and whatever. But long story short, right, he right. actually did uh, commit a murder, and he was – eventually sentenced for it and served time. Um, But um, he was still, you know, if you want to look at musical genius in there or uh, how he opened up some markets in there, um, it was part of what he did too. So you 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 have to look at the whole person. Right. You're absolutely right. Now here are some of the names from January. In case you forgot, folks like uh, Larry King, a talk show giant, he passed um, earlier this year as well uh, in January. Uh, we're talking about uh, Hal Holbrook, the actor. Uh, he died. Cloris Leachman died um, back on the January 27th. You know, a lot of these folks, um, just uh, an amazing uh, group. Uh, of course, we lost Cicely Tyson on the 28th of January, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, so many folks that it's hard to even – Imagine. Now, a little bit later, as the pandemic was kind of underway and this huge um, 
you know, uh, with so much illness taking place and, and some of these folks, let's just also say this and put this one out there. Not everyone died of COVID. So let's just say that um, there oh, were quite a few true, folks who did. You know, so we lost uh, three quarters of a million uh, folks who have succumbed to um, this awful, dreaded, dreadful disease. Um, folks so also that we lost, um, you guys remember uh, heavyweight boxer Leon Spinks, actor Christopher Plummer, uh, hey, George Show. Oh my. Uh, he passed. Yes, uh, a lot of these folks, uh, Chick Corea, uh, Corea, I think uh, the jazz uh, keyboardist, uh, oh, yeah. they yeah. remember the, the porn publisher, Larry Flint, passed away. Uh, so these are some of the folks. It, it's just been an, a long list, literally. Uh, the personality Rush Limbaugh uh, died uh, back uh, in February. Uh, so many folks uh, passed on in uh, this year that it's hard to – Marvin Hagler, another boxer, oh, died. Wow. Actor Yafit Koto, remember him? Uh, yeah. He, he passed away. And so it's just – you don't even believe these – George Segal, actress uh, Jessica Walter, who, for you younger folks, uh, Jessica, I love Jessica Walter. She was known as a great comedic actress in later years, but uh, I think she was in that movie with Clint Eastwood, which really, for the, uh, I'll say for a different generation, for folks who were out there before Basic Instinct, it was the basic instinct of that day. In fact, oh, I think yes, Basic Instinct yes. was copied after that movie, if you ask me, but that was played misty for me. Uh, Jessica Walter turned in a stellar performance, and she will always be remembered. What a great actress well, the, uh, she was. The good news, Carrie, there are many, many still among, you know, with us. And uh, yes. so that well, this it is, is true. It is uh, now, exciting. Um, Absolutely. And there's so many folks. I mean, it's almost unbelievable. Uh, in May, Olympia Dukakis, Oscar-winning actress Olympia Dukakis, passed oh. away. Yeah, Bobby Unser, I think he was the racing driver. Um, singer mm -hmm. Lloyd Price, remember him? Lloyd Price passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, so these, you're talking about major names. In the in the world out there, who uh, who can believe that these folks are not with us right now? It's hard to believe. Wow. I mean, I'm just still kind of uh, you know uh, just reeling. Uh, General Powell, Colin Powell passed away. So many folks yes. uh, we lost in this year. Actor Ned Beatty, uh, Beatty, I oh, think I we pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, we yep. used to love him. He was all over the place. Um, and so many. Donald Rumsfeld, the political man, uh, the general, well, he was a government official. Uh, he passed away. Uh, just so many folks. You can't even begin to name. And, um, you know, it's just been a big Mr. list. Mr. Lewis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, what we're going to do in honor of all these folks, um, I think it would be quite fitting for us to take a music break. And um, this one, this, this hit home for a lot of us. 
It really did. It hit home for a lot of us. Uh, and I know there's some folks standing by who might want to chime in, and we'll see if we can get them on. But uh, when I heard this from DMX, uh, I'm sorry, not just DMX, but from um, from Bismarck Key that he had passed, I knew he had been, you know, fighting illness and this and that over the times, recent times, as so many folks have. But, you know, just hearing it was quite devastating. But his song was so uplifting and mm-hmm. that it has turned into a celebration of life. Uh, yes, and and his singing, uh, we know so many folks uh, who uh, sang like Bismarcky, and it just, it, the song just meant so very much to us. It really did, mm-hmm. and he meant a whole lot to us, along with all of these folks. So we wanted them to be more than just a footnote. We really did. So that's why this was so important. Um, I'm going to see if I can find this amazing song. So what what do you say when you hear about this marquee and, and all these folks, Mary? Well, it's important for everyone to remember they have the potential to become a legacy. So, you know, be your best self and do whatever it is, you know, follow your passions and, you know, we're not guaranteed the next moment. Let's not tomorrow or anything. So yeah, I, I want everybody to absolutely embrace life because it is for the living and make your mark. All right. On that note, here is the song that really established Bismarck Key, rap artist Bismarck. And it's such a fun song that even if you're not into rap music, uh, the song is so infectious, and it has such a, I think it's just a lovely melody. Please uh, take a listen. And it's Just uh, just a Friend by Bismarck Key. We'll be back. I'm Carrie Hines. I'll be back with Mary Reed Johnson and all of you. So stay with us. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But a year to make gloves, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story in my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got on stage dripping, pouring with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in her ear, come to the picture booth so I can ask you some questions to see if you're 100 proof. I asked her her name, she said blah, blah, blah. She had nine pimp pants and a very big bra. I took a couple of flicks and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said I was very amused. I started throwing bass, she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Then when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. I'm not even going for it. It's what I'm going to say. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. And you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, Friends, and that's a fact. 
business Agatha, Jermaine, and Jack Forget about that, let's go into the story About our girl named blah 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 that adore me So we started talking, getting familiar Spending a lot of time so we can build a relationship Or some understanding how it's gonna be in the future we was planning Everything sounded so dandy and sweet I had no idea I was in for a treat After this was established, everything was cool The tour was over and she went back to school I called every day to see how she was doing Every time that I called her, it seemed something was brewing I called her rumor, got picked up and then I called her again I said, yo, who is that? Oh, he's just a friend Everybody, I'm Valerie from Validate Your Beauty. I am giving a shout out to the Hair Radio Morning Show, Carrie Hines. Introducing our brand new 24-7 Hair Radio Broadcast Network. Listen at HairRadio.com. It's hair and beauty talk all around the clock. Great guests, great topics, and much more. We're back live. You're listening to a very, very special broadcast today. It is the Hair Radio Morning Show 2021 Look Back. It's a look back at an amazing year for so many different reasons. And my very special co-host helping us to take a look back is the one and only Mary Reed Johnson of Hair, Head, Heart. Mary, again, good morning, and thank you so much good for being morning. with us. Yes, we are doing. Good morning. Absolutely, I'm loving it. Um, when you hear, you know, some of the artistry by these folks, as we just played uh, Just a Friend by 
the uh, one and only Biz Marquis that we lost in 2021, one of many folks, as we uh, just kind of pointed out. And uh, as we move into our next hour, I want to kind of take a look at not just some of the things that happened to us during the year of 2021 uh, that were set in place back in 2020, and some folks say 2019 even, but um, I want to also look ahead, Mary Reed Johnson. Uh, we had some of the biggest news stories in this past year, but also, uh, uh, you know, it brings a promise for 2022. So I want to get your take on all of that. But um, in our next hour also, we are going to reveal uh, the biggest news story of the entire year. And we've got the inside scoop right here on our broadcast, so you don't want to miss it. So I am very, very pleased. And uh, I've got to say, Mary, this is something that's important for folks, because a lot of this you might have forgotten actually happened. So it's kind of nice to do a reminiscence. Am I right? What do you have to say, Mary Reed Johnson? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Just it's wonderful that these different talents who are not with us who are that they have recognized their gifts and shared them with the world. And so it, it's good for us to see, you know, all the great things that have been done and then embrace our futures. Absolutely. Now, what about some of the pop culture uh, words and things that came out of this past year or so uh, that we didn't know uh, that they would even exist? You know, um, I remember, first of all, we started the year, Bill Cosby was in jail. Wow, we had no yeah. idea that uh, the legendary Bill Cosby, there was a whole bunch of talk uh, about Bill Cosby uh, circling, you know, a whole bunch of talk uh, with yeah. uh, as kind of an um, effect of the Me Too movement and all of that. But we did not – I think it was a surprise when Bill got out of jail. For me, I can certainly speak for myself. I'm raising my hand, folks. I was shocked. I didn't expect that. It just seemed like it came out of the blue. Uh, what, did you, what do you think, right. Mary? I think that character assassination is not a new thing for our community when you think about the Panthers uh. and what they were established to do and then how, you know, things were spun to make them look a, a, a different way. Um, you know, he's already been tried. He's already served his time. But I look at the good that he did, and it is phenomenal. So I think there was some character assassination there. And I don't always agree with, you know, whatever the politics are, and I'm okay with that. Call Carrie. I totally, <laughs> I, I'm raising my hand, my other hand, uh, in agreement with you. I think you articulated it beautifully, and I'm a part of that whole, you know, where we have the ambivalence. Um, you know, a lot of that is political. It's the nature of the time. Uh, right now, that uh, was a different uh, world. It was a different culture. Uh, in those uh, those early days. And I'll tell you something. I'm from Philadelphia, and I can certainly speak to this. Uh, I grew up literally uh, just a few blocks from Temple University, which was very well known and being connected with uh, the, um, the wonderful benefits, along with so many HBCUs, um, um, a whole benefit from the largesse of Bill Cosby. 
so real yeah. interesting. And some of the other news stories that happened in the year, of course. Can, can I back up just a second? For, Absolutely. Uh, a, a, our historically black colleges get extra kudos because yeah. in that big money grab that they had for um, during the CARES Act, do you know? that they actually paid <laughs> for some of their students. <laughs> oh, I love that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. That's okay. They actually paid for some of their students, or they housed them. They Basically, they took care of their students instead of charging them and, um, you know, ruining their, you know, academic careers and stuff like that. So more than any other group in education, historically black colleges were there for their students. And I I think they don't get enough attention for that. No, absolutely not. And we're always talking about the HBCUs here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And and folks like Bill Cosby, who've made such huge contributions, uh, a lot of folks would not be in school had it not been for his largesse. So let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's move along. Because remember, there are a lots of ways, as you so eloquently put it, where things are being, you know, spun a certain way. We don't always, we are a little bit sharper minded than that. We don't just, you know, take whatever's tossed out at us as the gospel, as we say. Now, what I do want to say in this hour, first of all, if you're just joining us, we're in our third hour on this particular uh, portion of the show, and this is a very special special edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. It's our 2021 year in review. Now, just so that you know, what I love about what we're doing is that you can Google this on, uh, you know, on your computer or cell phone, because I love that um, our year in review for 2020 was also fabulous. And, And it's so great when you play them both back to back, you'll play the 2020 and you'll play this edition. And hear the contrast on what we thought 2021 would be like and what actually happened. So, uh, Hair Radio Morning Show, we're doing something very special because, you know, we get a chance to chronicle our lives. We literally get a chance to chronicle our lives through our radio broadcasts. And uh, just doing so many radio shows, as you guys know, um, we're doing hundreds and hundreds of shows. We've done literally hundreds and hundreds of not just my career in broadcasting, but of this version of the Hair Radio Morning Show, where we've had tell some of the biggest names. Tell them how many years, Terry. Tell well, them how many years. We well about twenty. The Hair Radio Show itself is over twenty-five years. Uh, in broadcasting. And uh, again, just for you folks who may not be aware, we started out in AM and FM broadcasting on regular, what they call terrestrial radio, which is what you used to turn a dial on in the old days, uh, to moving to the Internet. Um, We had the very first 24-hour radio network on hair and beauty back in the early 2000s. I relaunched it in recent times, but we were the very first to do that. And uh, so I'm so excited, and because of my experience with this, and then we turned the radio show, which used to air mornings and nights and all times of the day, uh, into the morning show. So that became a three-hour daily morning show. And in doing so, uh, I have become the most prolific 
a hair radio broadcast um, information or recorded material uh, in the world. The number one tops, bar none. So I'm real excited about that. And I was the first to have a regular broadcast on hair and beauty on radio in the world uh, and the longest running. So all those things we deserve credit for. But I look past that and say you deserve the credit, being our fans and listeners and our advertisers and folks who continue to support us through all that we're doing. So I just want to say thank you. You have helped to uh, be part of history. This show is an, an institution all by itself in the hair and beauty industry. So just taking a moment during our 2021 year in review to make that acknowledgement. And so uh, it's a great thing this morning to talk about. Mary, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Yes, thank Uh, you for giving and giving and giving some more. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that that means a lot. And so uh, speaking of which, and this year um, I've had folks who this was their very first time coming to our radio show. Um, Even though I've worked with a lot of these folks, um, in real life, you know, off air, they've been at my hair events. Uh, back in 2019, I had the great pleasure of working with Bernard Bronner. He attended my Hair Nation Expo that was held live and in person down in Atlantic City, New Jersey, at the same Showboat Hotel. And not just uh, Bernard was there, but also I had a few legends. I had Bernard there. Uh, Bernard Bronner of the famous Bronner Brothers Family Events out of Atlanta, in case you guys don't know who Bernard Bronner is. He's also the CEO of Upscale Magazine. You guys know Upscale Magazine. It's been around for 30 years. Uh, So Bernard worked with me back in 2019. He attended my show. Uh, Just a wonderful, wonderful fella. And then also uh, we also had John Blassingame, who started, um, a big person who's helped to start, I should say, uh, Hype Hair Magazine. So he was there. And also at my event in 2019 at the Hair Nation Expo, we also had um, the amazing Alilia Bundles. And you guys need to know who she is. She's the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. And Madam C.J. Walker was just an extraordinary lady, as you guys know. Uh, She's known as the first uh, self-made female millionaire in this country, black, white, or otherwise. But what's really uh, amazing about all of that is that uh, uh, Alilia Bundles, who Alilia was named after Madam C.J. Walker's own uh, daughter, um, Alilia, if you guys will remember, uh, and we just love her so very much. And um, Alilia Bundles did the movie uh, that aired on Netflix, and it's still out there on Netflix called Self Made. We covered this. Mary Reed Johnson, are you listening? We covered I this am. on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And we had a big panel. We talked about it. It was so exciting. It was so exciting. So, um, and a lot of folks, this was their first time getting a chance to really listen to, uh, you know, what this was their take on what was going on. Now, when Alilia was on our show, Alilia Bundles, the great great granddaughter of Madam Walker, she was on my show. Of course, she was at my hair event. 
but she mm-hmm. was also on my show on the Hair Radio Morning Broadcast. And when she was, she shared with us about the upcoming Netflix show. So I had a chance to talk to hair industry royalty. And in fact, how about if I get on a little bit of Alelia's interview right now, in case some of you need to be reminded of our great legacy and place in this business. And then it's on to the biggest news story in one, I think the biggest news story in hair and beauty, uh, one of the biggest news stories in the world in 2021. We're going to tell you all about it in just a bit. But first, uh, this was a piece that we did with Alelia Bundles, who is the lady behind the Netflix movie uh, self-made about her great, her famous great, great, great grandmother, uh, Madam C. J. Walker. So just, boy, oh boy, a lot of stuff going on. So here, we'll play a little bit of this and uh, we'll chime back on in with more with Carrie Hines and Mary Reed Johnson and so much more of this special edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. A look back at 2021. Here's the Lily Bundles. Now, this is a little bit of an older interview, but I wanted you guys to hear it because it relates to her Netflix show, which is still playing about Madam Walker. Take a close listen, and we'll be right back with you. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now I have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Alelia Bundles, and we'll have her tell you the rest. Good morning, Alelia. Good morning to you, and welcome Good to the morning, show. Good morning, Carrie. <laughs> yes, it's great to have you with us here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Now, I just want to jump right on in. You are now hold on. Let's let's let you tell us about the amazing lineage that you have in the hair and beauty industry. Go right ahead. You take it away, Alelia. Well, I, so I grew up with two parents who worked in the hair care industry. Um, my great great grandmother is Madam C. J. Walker. My mother was vice president of the Walker Company when I was growing up, and my dad was president of Summit Laboratories. So we spent our vacations going to hair shows. Wow. Well, you know what? Let's start off there. Tell us a little bit more about, now I, I've certainly we're a little bit more familiar, obviously, with your, your great-great-grandmother and, and even your mother's work, I mean your grandmother's work and so forth. But tell us a little bit more about um, the, your grandfather, was it, that you were just mentioning? My father. My father, father was president of Summit Laboratories, and my mom was okay. vice president of the Walker Company. Oh, okay. Now tell us about the Summit Laboratory. So what did he do? He was... Well, so Summit Labs, so in the late 1950s when companies like Johnson and Sauchine and Summit were developing uh, the chemical hair straighteners and, you know, people were going from the hot comb to to, uh, to chemical straighteners, then my dad was president of one of those companies. So when I was growing up, actually the Summit Labs was the bigger deal, was the more successful company financially, but the Walker Company, um, my great, that was founded by my great-great-grandmother, Madam C.J. Walker, in 1906, certainly continues to have the legacy as a founder of the black hair care industry. I see, and that's what I wanted to kind of, jump on in. I just wanted to mention a little bit for us that it might have been lesser known. Amazing. 
Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have to let let us kind of elaborate a little bit on that. When someone mentions to you, and I know you've done a million of these interviews, and of course, everybody wants to ask you, uh, you know, what was it? What is it like uh, being related to the person that we consider who started the entire black hair care industry? So I have to ask you the same question, <laughs> Lilia. <laughs> You know, and it's it's perfectly fine. So I will tell you, you know, as a kid, um, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. And my mother, who was the fourth generation of women in her family to be an executive with the Walker Company, was really wise about not making it a big deal uh, because you don't really want to overwhelm kids with something like that. And so she kind of let me discover it on my own. I would ride with her to the Walker Building in Indianapolis, which was this beautiful block-long flat iron building where the company was based, the factory, the a ballroom, a theater, you know, a drugstore, a beauty shop. So I would get out of the car with her, ride up the elevator to her office where in the late 1950s she had an adding machine and a typewriter right, before computers right. and calculators. Oh, yeah. So I experienced that the Walker Company in that way, going back with my mother to the factory and talking to the ladies who were still um, you know, working there and putting the products into the jars by hand. So I had that kind of memory. And then um, my real love was writing and both of my parents encouraged me to follow my dreams so that when I got to graduate school at Columbia in journalism, my advisor was a sister named Phyllis Garland, the only black woman on the faculty at the journalism school. And Phil recognized my name, Alelia, which is Madam Walker's daughter's name. And she said, your name is Alelia. Do you have any connection to Madam Walker and Alelia Walker? And I think she probably knew the answer, but I wasn't walking around <laughs> talking about it all the time. And Phil, after listening to some of my lame topics for my master's paper, said, you know, you are going to write about Madam Walker. And that was in 1975, and really Phil validated it for me at a time when nobody else was really saying you need to write a book about this amazing woman. Wow. Well, I have to say also the fact that you have, uh, that you are a part of this amazing lineage that we feel has, really shaped everything that we know about here in BDI, I say. Um, what do folks, I mean, when they come up to you, uh, what, you know, what do they, you know, is it something that they're really nervous and, like you were saying, you know, maybe <laughs> apprehensive about? Uh, and, and what does that mean to you? You know, I think the thing that's really the most special thing for me is that I get a chance to tell this story. And, you know, and again, as a young person, I was kind of self-conscious about it. I was really you know, much more interested in Alelia Walker and her Harlem Renaissance life. But what I, you know, as I became more mature and as I really began to understand who Madam Walker was, I realized that her story inspires other people. And it is about hair and it is about her being the a pioneer of what's now a multi-billion dollar industry. But it's also about her challenges and her overcoming obstacles and being an entrepreneur, being a single mother, and having early struggles in her life, and then being able to employ thousands of other women, helping them become economically independent, and taking it even to another level by becoming a philanthropist and a patron of the arts. So she used her wealth and her influence 
to make a difference in her community. That began to become as important to me as the hair care part. Wow. Amazing. And we're going to get into that because there is still, you guys are a part of uh, providing still hair care products that carry uh, Madam C.J. Walker's name. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Tell us a little bit about that. We'd, we'd love to hear more. So the, the Madam C.J. Walker Company was founded in 1906 and really was one of the premier black-owned hair care companies into the 1950s. But it was, you know, the market was disrupted by companies like Summit and Soft Sheen and, and Johnson Products who were do, doing a different way of creating new products for black women. And so the Walker Company began to, you know, sales began to drop off in the late 50s, but the company never went out of business. And about six, five, six years ago, Richelieu Dennis, the CEO of Sundial Brands, uh, bought the trademark and has, as we know, reformulated um, Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture. So there now are 24 products, all new formulas um, that are available at Sephora. And I think, you know, sometimes I do still get emails and phone calls from people who say, now can I buy that original Madam Walker's Wonderful Hair Grower? You know, my grandmama used to use that and that was... (laughs) (laughs) And I just try to be really gentle with folks and say, you know, Uh you know, 106 years ago, um, this was revolutionary, which was essentially petrolatum like Vaseline and right, sulfur right. that healed dandruff and scalp infections. We needed that then yeah. in 1906. We have learned, we've had a hundred years of research and development, and we have taken advantage of that <laughs> with, uh, these, with these new products and these new formulas. Absolutely. And to have done something that has such an impact, I mean, to be at Sephora. And here in New York, that's like huge to us here. So exactly. outstanding. And I love the work that they're doing. So we're going to shout out those folks, uh, you know, with the the new voices and right. all that they're doing. So good work. Now, hey, I have to ask you, and, and folks out there, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. This morning we're chatting literally with, I call hair royalty, Lilia <laughs> Bundles. And uh, I just have to say also, now, you've got some exciting new projects to get into and to talk about a little bit. Um, I think, um, yes, we're going to talk about this amazing TV uh, series that everybody's talking about. It literally is all over the news everywhere. Uh, but before we get to that, Alelia, I do want to talk about, you've written several books. Mm-hmm. And and I know you're you're working on your biography, which I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you about. Um, but yes, tell us a little bit about um, some of the books that you've written, if you don't mind. And, and uh, so, do you? And, and also, do you prefer to kind of write more? Like you do so many different wonderful things. You know? <laughs> so I I have written four books about Madam Walker, and I wrote my first one, a young adult book, in 1991. And believe it or not, that was the first book that had ever been written about Madam Walker. Then I did a really a major biography called On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker. And that is the book that has that is in development as an eight-part Netflix series starring uh, Octavia Spencer and executive produced by Octavia Spencer and LeBron James. I've written another book for young readers and then a book that has 200 photographs uh, called Madam Walker Theater Center. 
the book that I'm almost finished with now is a biography of Madam Walker's daughter, Alelia Walker, called The Joy Goddess of Harlem, and that will come out next year. But, you know, the books I, the books are something, telling this story and really being able to document it was important to me because there are so many myths and so much misinformation really about any African-American or female historical figure that you, somebody has to write kind of the first marker of getting the facts right, and that's what I've really tried to do in writing the books about her. Well, we have to toss uh, in the mix. Uh, there is the first thing that everyone has said uh, when you hear Madam C.J. Walker's name is the straightening comb and mm-hmm. the black female millionaire. Those are the two things that we right. attribute to Madam C.J. Walker. Um, but it's wonderful to have you to fill in, you know, and also kind of, you know, set the record straight, literally. Yes, well, that is literally <laughs> and untangle, <laughs> untangle the myths. <laughs> like that means, <laughs> I like you that. know, I, I'll I tell you. It. So the, the straightening comb is, uh, you know, it's like essential. People believe that, and they, it's like, but, but you know, my mama told me that, and my auntie told right. me that, and so right. that must be true. And I'm sorry to contradict your mama. But uh, Madam Walker did not invent the hot comb. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everybody you know, believes a, that. Everybody, everybody believes that. But really, you know, and I, I actually wrote part of the, the there's a Wikipedia entry, entry on the hot comb. And I, you know, anybody can write. And I did a ton of research to just make sure people understand Hot combs were around when Madam Walker was still working in the cotton fields in Louisiana. It was, you know, they were other people had invented them. They were for sale in the Bloomingdale's and Sears catalogs in the 1890s. So this wow. was long before she started her Absolutely. business. Wow. So, so I just want people to understand that. And, and actually, you know, I will say that part of my ambivalence about her when I was a child of the 60s and, you know, going from my perm to my afro was, I don't know what, you know, what I think about that. And as I began to do research, I realized that often what happens with famous people is somebody has, you know, one thing that they think they know about that person, and sometimes that one thing is actually incorrect. And what I learned about her and her original products is that, like many women, she was going bald because she had bad dandruff and scalp mm. infections because people didn't have indoor plumbing. They didn't wash their hair very often. They covered their hair up. They didn't wash it sometimes at all in the winter. And she was trying to figure out what to do to grow her hair, not to necessarily have straight hair. So that was really a revelation for me to to really discover that. So no, Madam Walker did not invent the hot comb. What she did was to create a line of products that shampoo and ointment with sulfur that healed dandruff and scalp disease, and really and scalp massages, and then just a whole system of pampering women. That was really what she was about. And I think that it was. I think what she discovered, because she'd had such a hard life, is that women's souls. And spirits needed healing as much as their scalps. So she was kind of charismatic and, you know, sort of had a ministry almost of empowering women. I love it. It it sounds to me as like it's not just what's on your head, but what's in your head. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Now, I do have to ask you, uh, you know, um, the TV series, we absolutely have to talk about this. We are excited. Uh, you touched on it a moment or two ago. 
this amazing opportunity to bring this story to life about Madam C.J. Walker, your great-great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and you mentioned that it's starring Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. Yes. And she's also <laughs> co-executive producing. So it doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Now, uh, along with LeBron James. How did something like that come about that you can share with us today? Back live, you're listening to a very special broadcast today call uh, of the Hair Radio Morning Show called the 2021 Year in Review. It is my honor, I'm Carrie Hines, to be with you uh, on this very, very special broadcast. Now, my co-host uh, for this morning, uh, this morning show is the one and only Hairhead Heart. Uh, host, you guys know her. She is a radio personality in her own right, Mary Reed Johnson. Again, good morning. Good morning to you. <laughs> Absolutely, good morning. Happy to be here. Yes. Now, what when you hear uh, uh, the amazing Alelia Bundles, uh, the great great granddaughter of hair industry legend and superstar? Madam C.J. Walker, what do you say? What do you do? And we had her on our broadcast. We have to embrace legacy. That is an amazing thing. And and to give homage to the people who did what they needed to do at the time they needed to do it. And I, I know that you can't have Madam C.J. Walker's story without also mentioning Annie Malone and uh, you know her legacy is just as vital and important and wonderful and I encourage people to find out more well Annie Malone uh, yes and Annie Malone uh, was the for those who are just hearing Annie Malone's name for the first time may not be as familiar and that may be for different reasons I think even um, a little bit longer in the uh, piece that we had with Madam Walker's great-great-granddaughter, Lilia Bundles, she addresses Annie Malone. She addresses a lot of the whole uh, misunderstanding um, that seemed to be between the two ladies. Um, but Annie Malone, uh, who was uh, just a huge, huge, towering figure in the way of hair and beauty, she was the very first uh, true uh self-made millionaire that is we can prove however the reason that and this is what Alelia also says the reason that it seems that Madam C.J. Walker's legacy endures is because at the time when Madam Walker died they can show the receipts stating back then that she was a millionaire so for Madam for uh for Lilia Bundle, I'm sorry, Lilia Bundle. For um, uh, Annie, Annie Malone. Malone, yeah, Annie Malone died. Uh, she was the uh, she lived a while past Madam Walker. Remember, Madam Walker died in 1919, and Annie Malone died in the 1950s. And the difference was also that uh, you had uh, Annie Malone suffered a great deal dealing with tax issues 
and husbands that, you know, uh, kind of ripped her off, so to speak. Um, but it was not a and, surprise. And even she the paid, government. Well, that, well the, the taxes. Yeah, that's what I mean. The taxes. Mm-hmm. She uh, had a huge thing, and she didn't quite recover from that. So that was why uh, she did not have money like that when she died. Now, it was on record in some places that she was very wealthy. She, it was also on record that she paid more taxes in, in the state uh, at the time when she was alive, more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had $40, buildings, Forty thousand dollars in nineteen twenty-six or something. Yeah. She she had buildings, and what remains of her legacy? She has two big parts that remains of her legacy. Madam Walker has something that remains of her legacy too. So I want to speak to uh, you know we can talk about all these amazing folks. In addition, there were others. They weren't just uh, those two ladies. We had Sarah Spencer Washington out of Atlantic City area, who I paid tribute to at even my hair show in Atlantic City. We uh, had her uh, great-grandnephew on our show as well. So (laughs) we talked to everybody. This is exactly. Yeah, we really have. All of them. All of them are important, and everybody did their part. And so that's what I'm trying to get across. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 and effectively done. Uh, Annie Malone, all of them, they deserve. Now, in the Netflix series, uh, for you who are not in the hair and beauty industry, uh, the book is, uh, I'm sorry, the movie, the Netflix movie, is loosely based on Alelia's book. It is 100% Alelia's, you know, she signed off on it, so it's her thing. But, uh, you know, they kind of were a little bit loose with some of the facts. Uh, where it uh, the person who seemed to be the uh, Annie Malone character that's not really based in reality. So just so that you've heard me say it, and I believe mm-hmm. that uh, Alilia will acknowledge that as well. Um, but let me tell you, uh, so many wonderful things just to have you guys with us. And the number one story that I want to bring up right now Uh, The biggest news story uh, that we can really talk about where we were all in so just glued to the TV (laughs) and to the Internet uh, to find out the latest details. And uh, Mary Reed Johnson, I'm going to let you take it away. Just that you've been so kind to share the mic with me tonight. What was the biggest story that you can imagine? Yes, I think the clue for me was you said glued. Are you talking about the <laughs> young woman who did <laughs> Okay. You got yeah. it. You got that clue. The glue clue. Correct. <laughs> and we're talking about uh, Tessica Brown and the biggest news story, of course, was the Gorilla Glue Girl. That was her moniker wow. that was given pretty much by the Internet. And uh, because she um she purposely placed the glue in her hair just so that it would remain in place with the full intention of, you know, taking it out well, or removing it. It, it did work. Um, well, she did accomplish that. This is true. And But, you know, when I had um, the miracle doctor, Dr. Obang, who truly rescued her, uh, you know, remedied this situation, well, you know what, why don't we let you take a listen? Uh, this was the biggest news story, and it's a great way to kind of bring our 
uh, amazing uh, look back at the year 2021 to a close. Um, and then when we come back after this wonderful play replay of Dr. Obang talking about the Gorilla Glue incident, which we're going right to the horse's mouth, literally, uh, then, Mary, we're going to talk about what we hope to do in 2022. So that's on the note we'll leave you with today. Right now, I want to get on this uh, amazing piece that uh, when I, I remember you couldn't turn on the TV or go to the Internet without seeing a story about Tessica Brown, who was the, the young lady that we're talking about. And uh, her doctor that she went to out in Beverly Hills, California, we're talking about the Beverly Hills doctor uh, that we had an opportunity to talk with, Dr. Michael Obang. So listen, take a listen to this, and we're going to talk on the other side, Mary Reed Johnson of Hairhead Heart, and uh, stay with us. We've got a little bit more to go. Stay with us this morning. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now, I have a very, very special guest with us today. Now, he's a part of this, pretty much the biggest story in America. It is my honor to bring to the Hair Radio Morning Show the one and only, we're going to say, Dr. Obang, Dr. Michael Obang. Thank you so much and welcome to the broadcast. I was getting ready to work in Miracle Doctor. Was <laughs> that was my day there? So good morning to you, and we're just so honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Kerry. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to be on the show this morning. And well, so, uh, I uh, yeah. my experience with your audience. Wonderful. Well, I have to jump right on in, and we're talking about the amazing work that you have done with Miss Tessica Brown. Now, it has um, been reported everywhere and across the Internet. We're talking about huge uh, in terms of the uh, notoriety that's been, you know, reached about the, you know, about the story. In terms of uh, Tessica, somehow with the Gorilla Glue uh, that was, that, you know, she placed in her hair and, and everybody knows the story. But what we don't know and what you might be able to tell us is, like, a, you know, what what prompted her beyond what we've seen in the reported, you know, you know, gossip and this and that? What can you tell us that might shed some light on on how this? Because you would have had to kind of, you know, kind of, I, I imagine, delve into that a little bit so you know how best to treat it. So what can you share with us today, Dr. Obing? Thank you very much, Kerry. Uh, You're welcome. Kristen. Uh, what happened with Tessica was very unfortunate. You know, it's one of those honest mistakes, you know, that somebody went on something they thought they can use an alternative uh, on a temporary basis. And you were turned into a, a month ordeal and a, a worldwide fanfare. And, of course, you know, these accidents happen all the time. And it's not just with hair or hairspray. You know, it happens all the time when people are, you know, washing their mouth with the, other, the wrong um, mouthwash and so on and so forth um, and I think the world should give Tessica a break you know uh, uh, women go through a lot with their hair especially black women and uh, you know to to get a bottle of a gorilla spray uh, or blue spray to spray to her head thinking that she can wash it off 
you know, in a few hours, uh, you know, the, uh, that has turned into a national story. You know, a worldwide fanfare uh, is something of a, it's a cautionary tale for all of us, and that's what I can say to that. Well, I have to kind of add to that. I uh, I looked at everything when I started researching this, and I kind of looked at both the product that I believe she typically used and ran out of versus the uh, product that she used. And honestly, there was, in my opinion, this is Carrie Hines, there was like a similar kind of description from me, from my words. So to me, you know, I can understand how somebody might do something like that, especially in a sense of, you know, when you're desperate and want your hair to look a certain way. You know, these are the, the, you know, how a lot of folks have been kind of pushed to that limit in terms of that. That's the bigger, broader story now seems to be hidden out there. But um, I want to kind of take a moment to uh, kind of turn to your, uh, the questions that folks have uh, asked me to ask you about the process and so forth. So can you walk us through uh, what, because you created this concoction, if you, I had to work concoction, but you created, uh, you know, you did some research and, and came up with, uh, you know, what to use to kind of alleviate the situation to remedy this, um, you know, this situation. So how, can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, so when the, when the story first broke and we got wind of it and my office asked me if I can help it, and of course I said I can, uh, you know, of course I didn't know it was a, a national sensation or something that had taken the whole world by storm. Uh, you know, I just said in confidence and in gratuity that, you know, pretty much anything I can think of, I can do it through the, through the Lord who has strengthened, you know, who strengthens me. But when I found I was Gorilla Glue and it became a reality, after I said, yes, I can do it, and within two, three hours later, you know, I was getting confirmatory uh, uh, message that, okay, she's going to be here two days later, which was on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Wow. You know, I said, sure. So, of course, you know, I'm not I'm not in the field that uses Gorilla Glue all the time. Uh, I've, I've heard of Gorilla Glue or Crazy Glue, but I don't know what was in it. Uh but uh, you know, once once I heard about it, I knew I was going to do it. You know, with any good, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, any good visionary or great visionary, you, know, you you want to go look into and do research into what you're about to do. And if you are not used to it, you know, you have to delve into uh, the problem much deeper. You know, of course, so of course, I had to yeah. Google Gorilla Glue, and I had to Google the the main ingredients, which happens to be polyurethane, which is a very uh, very, very strong adhesive that, you know, goes back, ah. you know, uh, that was brought into America, I think, in the early 1990s uh, from the uh, Southeast Asia, where it was being used to for furniture manufacturing. Then I then decided, okay, what can then dissolve for urethane? You know, what are some of the solvents available? And having a chemistry background, you know, helped. So I was able to find out the different things that can break it down. But now... We are not talking about just breaking something down on uh, on the surface, but this is on a human skin or human scalp. And, of course, being a doctor also tells me that if you put caustic solutions or caustic uh, substances on the body, on the scalp, it can potentially burn it. So now we have to find a fine balance between something that was gentle to the skin or the scalp and something that was effective enough to dissolve this powerful glue. And after the research that I did in the last two days, on Monday night, Tuesday night, 
and also making a call to Gorilla Glue and my old chemistry professor just to pick uh, his uh, his idea, his brain. <laughs> wow. And made me come up with something. Of course, Gorilla Glue never reached back to me. Uh, they texted me that they tried to reach me. But, uh, uh, but by the time they texted me on I think Wednesday morning, I had already figured it out. Uh, and I have wow. done experiments on the, on the mannequin. Actually, on the, not more than that, mannequin. On the... On this car, on this on this car that I have, one of those surgical cars uh, I used to use when I when I used to teach residents how to uh, put plates and screws in people's faces, and that's sat in front of me. That's sat, that's sat, that's sits in my office. So you know, we're we're fortunate enough to get her donated by the Southern Temple here in Beverly Hills. Uh, Southern oh, Temple. Shout out to that. Yeah, shout out wow. to Southern Temple. They gave me human hair. Uh, Veronica gave me human hair. We put the onto this call, uh, and then you know we took the glue. So my staff, Oscar Garcia, my assistant, went to uh, Home Depot to buy me Gorilla glue and buy me all the things that I needed. You know, uh, wow. And we were able to spray, and I still have it here in my office, and it's stuck to this call. I can I spray around holding the hair. So we what we first did was to glue the human hair doing it by Southern Temple to this call. And then we glue hair extensions on top of the human hair. And then we let it sit for about six hours. And then the solution that I've tried on myself initially, brand my, you know, it brands, we do what's called test spots. So it burns a little brand, which is fine. If you use a little Q-tip and it burns, that means it's going to burn the scalp. So after we find the right solution that was hard, was gentle to my skin, I knew it was going to be gentle to scalp. And we used it on the on the mannequin on this call, the the demo I had created, and the hair started to unravel. So, I, but you know, back then and then, I knew that we had a product that can dissolve human, you know, that can dissolve gorilla glue. And when Tessica arrived on Wednesday morning, I was very confident, without a doubt, that it was going to be successful. And by the grace of God, everything went well, and uh, you know, she's back in Louisiana doing well. Absolutely, and and we're so proud to hear of that. We really are. One of the questions that came in from one of my followers and fans of the show, uh, they wanted to know if the treatment that you provided, like, you know, did it have any effect on her, the hair follicles, you know, on her hair follicles? Because, you know, it's so, it's so, you know, um, you have to be so careful, like you said, it's, you know, you know, in terms of preventing like long-term damage or anything like that. Is there anything that you could tell us about, you know, it, because she seems to be really happy. I think I caught some videos where she was running her fingers through her hair and all of that. So uh, is there, were you, you know, did the glue go all the way down inside the follicles? Anything that you could tell us on that part? So, so you know, initially, of course, things uh, can, can uh Things can penetrate to hair follicles whenever you put stuff on your scalp or your skin. Mm. Uh, so without, you know, so you know, I can tell you that the glue uh, initially would have gotten into the follicles. Of course, it would temporarily burn because of the fact that it's uh, it's caustic in nature. It would temporarily burn. I mean, it will burn a little bit, but uh, and it might have some temporary effect on the hair follicles. But I think mm. all in all, she's going to recover. And then the solution she's that we have. Uh, yeah, solution that we use was very gentle, uh, gentle enough that it's not going to hurt her follicles. It hasn't hurt my hair follicles, so hopefully, you shouldn't hurt her hair follicles. Yeah, but, uh, 
Well, now, what about... Yes. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you. I was just going to no, ask you, what about subsequent uh, follow-ups? Uh, is this going to be something that she that you're going to have to work with her ongoing, or is she just going to be able to just resume, you know, her life as it was before this happened? Yeah, she, she should be back to normal life, you know, but uh, I told her to be very gentle with her, with her hair and her scalp, you know, just to, in simplicity terms, just to treat her like a newborn baby. You know, you don't want to put harsh chemicals. Everything that she, she uses should be very gentle in nature. And I recommend using baby baby shampoo, baby conditioner, just things that has very nothing that is harmful to, or that can also cause, uh, that can also compromise, and already compromise, uh, you know, scalp. Absolutely. Now, Dr. Obang, I do want to take a moment because I understand that there is, a uh, charitable organization that you are associated with or uh, or helps establish that I just love, you know, what I read about this and helping the folks over in Ghana. And we have so many listeners who tune in from Ghana to the show. So they're big oh, fans. Wow. So, yeah, so oh, wow. I'm not, uh, and I know them a lot of them by name, so that's oh, not wow. just me saying anything. So, so I'm you. so proud. Thank you for getting my Ghanaian, my, uh, my Ghanaian people uh, involved, uh, you know, and uh, shout out to them, you know. We it love took a village. Here. It took a it took a village to 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 get me to America, and at the tender age of twenty, uh, when I left home uh, to come to college here, you know, of course, you yeah. know, twenty eight years, almost thirty years later, the Lord has blessed me so much that you know we we decided, you know, growing up in Ghana, we I saw a lot of diseases and illnesses, you know, and deformities that were attributed to witchcraft, you know, people at the time and, mm. and there's some of the belief is still there, you know, in the remote areas, you know, of uh yes. people still think that children with deformities are cursed and, you know, the the little gods, you know, witches, you know, they are cursed and their families are cursed, that's why they come out like that. They don't understand that we have the same issues here in the Western world, in America, that kids are born to cleft for the cleft palate and these are normal kids. It's just that, you know, during the developmental state, the developmental process Things did not go according to plan. You know, things uh, there were not little mishaps, and that's why these kids have deformities. And these kids can be treated, and they can have normal life. You know, the field of plastic surgery uh, became uh, known to me uh, at the tender age, I believe, around 13 to 15, when I witnessed firsthand uh, the works of Operation Smile when they came to Ghana and mm. did surgery on a neighbor. Uh, the beautiful young lady I grew up with, her brother, her her face had been burned with sulfuric acid, which mm. was very common place growing up in Ghana. You can go buy acid, and they use it for your cars, you know, to add it to the battery. And this young, this man put acid on the young lady's face because uh, she didn't want to be in a relationship with him. And her face was burned, and she became a recluse. She never really left her home. And, you know, I saw the first time what Operation Smile uh, did. And, of course, you know, I didn't see operations about doing the surgery, but I asked my friend, wow, what happened to your sisters? Oh, there's a group of doctors from America came to Ghana, you know, came and did this surgery on her. And, you know, I saw the restoration of hope, you know, that this young lady has. So from that day, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. So fast forward, uh, in 1998, 98, 99, one of my mentors, Dr. Miller, John Miller, uh, when surgery, I was in training at the time. I think uh, I was a fourth year medical student, third year medical student. Uh, Dr. Miller was doing surgery. He's a plastic surgeon, a hand surgeon. And, 
He looked at me and said, Michael, you are from Ghana, right? I said, yeah. I said, why don't we go to Ghana and do pre-surgery? Now, he's the one who put this in my head in 1998, 99. And, uh, of course, uh, I knew that, you know, the Lord has blessed me. And, you know, when the Lord, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. That's so, right. So, 2006, when I was in Boston at Harvard doing my fellowship, that's when the name Restore came to my head. You know, Restore is the name of my nonprofit organization. And it stands for Restoring Emotional Stability Through Outstanding Reconstructive Efforts. And since 2007, we've been to, we've been to Africa. We've been to uh, Central America, Southeast Asia. And we have done over 100, oh, I'm sorry, over 1,500 surgeries. All free of, all free of charge. Uh, you know, that is amazing. And last year when COVID hit, we decided to to start offering help in our own backyard. Of course, uh, you know, we still help people. You know, every year I'm a big breast cancer advocate and breast reconstruction advocate. I, for, you know, I I happen to be the first one in Los Angeles area to host the first uh, breast reconstruction awareness day that was uh, launched by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons in 2012. Uh, hosted an event to educate women about their rights to breast reconstruction. So charity has always been a forefront of mine, and I've always joked around that if I was a trust fund baby, I'd be going through, I'd be going through developing countries doing free surgery, or even here in America, offering help to people who can navigate through the complex process of our health care. That that's amazing. why restore is so important and so dear to my heart. Wow. Well, we are just blown away. And for folks who are just joining us, uh, we're – talking today on the Hair Radio Morning Show with the one and only Dr. Michael Obeng from out in Beverly Hills. Now, we understand that you work with uh, the director of Miko Plastic Surgery uh, out in Beverly Hills. How is all of that and and uh, your work there? Does that play a part in you taking on some of these uh, extra efforts and helping, you know, folks who are in such need with uh, yes, plastic so. surgery? So mycoplastic surgery is my practice here in Beverly Hills. Uh, we've been here for 10 years, and uh, it has been the engine behind my charity, you know, the money that we make from here as opposed to charity. Uh, this charity has been supported you know, largely in part by the efforts of uh, you know, our practice here, the staff and friends, about 75% and 25% of donations from, from other sources, uh, you know, and so... It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me that the Lord has blessed me enough to give me a practice that can fund, uh, you know, to help the people in need, uh, free of charge. And, uh, you know, for those of you guys listening, uh, you know, we are here. We are here to serve the general public. You know, we offer, uh, you know, the two breadth of plastic surgery, of course, my the entire staff and colleagues. You know, so we do everything here. Uh, I like to do more faces. And uh, breast and body procedures, and then um, I have colleagues here who does other things. But uh, you know, this practice has been the engine behind Restore. And for those of you listening, if you want to help and uh, spread the love and re- restore more hope and function and uh, put smiles on people's faces and change communities, you guys can uh, go to RestoreWorldwide.org. Uh, every donation is appreciated. You know, and no amount of money is little. Uh, you know, so we thank you guys, you know, for for tuning in to listen to me and uh, to share my story with you guys. And you guys can also follow us at Dr. Michael K. Obeng. Uh, that's my full name. 
and also I restore worldwide. Uh, that's the uh, restore's uh, social media handle. So thank you very much, Kerry. It's been my pleasure. I have to say again, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Obang. This has just been a big thing, and, and you've helped to clarify a whole lot and shine on all of this, and we're going to continue to support All right, we're back live. Yes, that was the amazing Dr. Michael Obang. You guys know uh, the miracle doctor uh, with this whole Tessica Brown situation, better known as the Gorilla Glue Girl. My special co-host for these uh, few hours, we've had you on. This is our third hour of this amazing special and my amazing co-star Mary Reed Johnson thank you so much you've just done an extraordinary job uh there you well, have you it have some... yeah this is wonderful yes the one um I think um were you surprised that is the biggest story of 2021 uh the Gorilla Glue Girl of course and so we're the, the, the funny thing, Mary Reed Johnson, is that we were right in the middle of a lot of the action. Now, some of the things that deserve an honorary mention, of course, we had the Black Lives Matter folks on with television uh, attorney Lisa Bloom, who was on our show twice in 2021. Uh, so that deserves uh, an honorable mention at this year in review. And also uh, that we... You had Dr. Obang on, and this was at a time in February when uh, the Gorilla Glue story was all over the news and and the Internet. So we were very lucky to have him on. As you heard, he's a Beverly Hills surgeon and uh, just doing so much out there. He truly is a miracle. So uh, I got to say. Yes. Go right ahead, Mary. Jump on in. If if she had, if uh, our dear lady had read the Gorilla Glue um, instructions. One of the things that makes Gorilla Glue work is you wet whatever the surface. And so once she shampooed her hair, I'm sure that's where it became a wrap. Yeah, literally a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Those puns can go on all night. Well, you know right? what? Um, I'm glad that he was able to remedy her situation. We're going to revisit the Gorilla Glue story. Uh, one year later. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to look for that coming up in 2022. Uh, we have so many wonderful things, and it's just my honor to have you guys on with us as we look back. Now, Mary, I want to give you the last word before we go over into our outro. Uh, what uh, is this going to mean to you? And this, we've been looking back at 2021 in these last few hours and we're so happy to share with all of our amazing fans out there around the world literally this has been an extremely amazing year and you guys are still with us and you're hanging in you've made us who we are so um, i'm giving you the last word what do you have to say uh this morning about next year what are you looking forward to mary reed oh, johnson I'm ex- of hairhead heart i'm so excited for the things that are coming up everything i started I have a, a salon safety handbook coming out uh, in this uh, next year. Uh, just more classes, more 
uh, information to share with people. I'm just excited that we are given another year. So I'm looking forward to a lot more shows from you, Carrie. Yeah, you know, I'm just embracing the future. That's it. That's the best thing we could do. And on that note, thank you for being with us, folks. It's been our 2021 year in review. I want to take a moment to shout out to some regular listeners of this broadcast. We've had Miss Katrina on, her daughter Love. We want to shout them out. They're part of uh, a whole other series that we do on our network. So we want to thank you. Go to HAIRadio.com to find out more about all that's happening at Hair Radio. We have a lot of live events happening in 2022 and so much more that we don't even know about. Listen, remember to tune in each weekday right here for the Hair Radio Morning Show from 6 in the morning till 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time. That's 5 to 8 Central. Again, I'm Carrie Hines with my special guest co-host this morning, the one and only Mary Reed Johnson. We'll see you back here. Here's our outro, everybody. Well, it's that time to bring this episode of the Hair Radio Morning Show to a close. But it does not end here. The show continues over at our 24-7 Hair Radio broadcast network at www.hairradio.com. Now, I must thank today's great guests and our legacy advertisers. These are the folks who have been supporting our show over the years, including Dr. Raglan, Yolanda Raglan at FixYourFeet.com. They are the very best in foot care. She has two locations, one in New York City and the other in Maryland. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge the amazing Troy Ballard, of course, from the West Coast, out in Southern California. His company is called Smooth Black Ink. Now, he offers the very, very best in hair care for the entire family. He is a legendary hairstylist and educator. And also, he's the program host right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. We just appreciate him again. That's Troy Ballard, a.k.a. Smooth Black of Smooth Black Ink. Also, we are talking about a complete line of products for the guys now. It's that Rugged Evolution. Now, Rugged Evolution Beard Care is the actual name of the company. Rugged Evolution Beard Care makes a complete line. I love their products. Go to www.ruggedevo.com for more details. Again, that's ruggedevo, that's E-V-O.com for complete details on their products. Also, stimulatingroots.com. Now, Stimulating Roots is a hair product growth system for women, for everybody, really. And how they spell it...